Blog Talk Radio. Tradition is tradition, no matter if you agree or not, but the queen did pass, so they had to shut down a variety of stuff. So it is a little bit of a bummer uh, that way. Obviously, you know, I don't celebrate death, uh, but I also, I'm kind of in between on it, you know, Um, just because of her age, it wasn't really a shocker. It's not like she got assassinated. But before you go too crazy on me, UK fans, um, I get it. Tradition is tradition. It happens. It just sucks for the fighters. I'm looking at it from a fan perspective. Sure, I am. I I have to admit it. But also the fighters. I mean, and, you know, the whole woman topping the card, they could have played into that anyway. But either way, like I said, tradition is tradition. A bunch of sports got shut down, obviously. It is what it is, though. So we will talk a little bit about the Showbox card um, off the top here and also the uh, Pro Box TV card a little bit. We'll, we'll get into that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll still have some recap. We still have some fights to talk about. In fact, I think it was, what was it, three or four cards on Friday night. Um, now, I didn't watch all, let's say, 20 fights or something like that, but I did catch a variety of, of fights there. I caught the whole triple header, caught most of the pro, I did catch all the pro box TV, um, which by the way is one ninety nine a month for those out there wondering about that. Um, it's been pretty good value so far. It's two bucks. I mean, how much, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying there's great fights on there just yet, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I could see potentially more value than, say, Triller, who uh, looks like it's exiting the uh, the business. But we'll talk about you know that stuff early in the show. But the vast majority of this uh, podcast episode this week has to be about Canelo Alvarez uh, versus Gennady Golovkin for the trilogy, the rubber match. Who's going to win? You know, 
clear a clear favorite is Canelo. Um, for quite some time now, a fair amount, I'd say majority, meaning, you know, over 50%, not like 90%. I'm not saying the vast majority, but I see a lot of folks, whether it's plugged in boxing fans or media members, whatever, boxers, managers, promoters, I see a lot, too much, I'd say, of Canelo's just going to knock him out, like he's going to wash him. And, you know, they say the power is the last thing that goes for a fighter. Clearly, Gennady has a really solid power. Um, the chin resistance is something that, in your old age, does, you know, decrease, and sometimes rapidly. Um, has he been in all these crazy wars through his career, like eight to ten of them? No, he hasn't. He definitely hasn't. Um, he's been in some competitive fights. He definitely had a lot of competition, two-way stuff going on in his last fight. Um, that was clear back in April. And even that uh, Derevanchenko, that was a close, close fight. So, And then, of course, the two fights with Canelo. Um, and even Danny Jacobs was a very tight fight. I thought that warranted a rematch. So, I don't know. The, the chin, though, we haven't seen him knocked out. We haven't seen him badly hurt over and over again. I mean, really, the most time you, you kind of see him hurt is to the body. You know, and he can play that off pretty well, I'll say that. But to the body, you know, um, we've seen him hurt plenty of times. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, that's what people kind of think. It's just like, well, you know, this will be, you know, he's just going to knock him out. He's completely past it. I mean, people were saying he's past his prime in the second fight, which I thought was nonsense going in. But the way he fought – in the second part of the fight, how can you say he was done? And I'm talking about Golovkin. That just doesn't even make any sense. Um, but it is what it is. I am looking forward to it. You know, it's not really, I don't know, it's not something that I'm highly anticipating. But as the days get closer now, um, I am, it is starting to, you know, feel like, okay, here we go. And once that bell rings, I'll be, you know, that night, Saturday night, you know, I'll be definitely excited. But yeah, there isn't a ton of buzz per se. A lot of people, you know, like to use boxing Twitter as a buzz. Um, Like my timeline isn't buzzing. Why? Well, your timeline is probably full of hardcore fight fans that already have seen this fight twice. Some people didn't want this fight because they thought Golovkin whether he hasn't looked great or he just hasn't fought much since that. I mean, it's already been four years. The four-year wait is a long time to wait. You know, it's not like one guy was retired like, uh, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard and Duran had a trilogy, and that was years, you know, past that. But there was also time out of the ring um, for Sugar Ray Leonard, you know. So I just think that – and people just didn't – they just think, well, Canelo's got it. He's 40 now, Golovkin. I don't want to see it. I'd rather see this. I'd rather see that. I'd rather see him against Benavidez. I'd rather see him against in-prime fighters. And I get some of that. But I've just been watching, and I said this when it got made, I've been watching boxing so long, and I'm not trying to go historical on people, and I know more than you, you know, about the past. Um, But 
as a box, long time, lifetime boxing fan, I cannot complain about a trilogy when the first two fights were like that. I mean, clearly, it's it's one one. I mean, I know it's o. Well, it's 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 not one one. It's one o one technically, um, and I guess o one one for uh, Golovkin. But you know, most people do think Golovkin won the first fight. The debate is the second fight. I I don't think there's a. I think you can make an argument for a draw in both fights, but I definitely lean Golovkin won the first fight. But I also definitely believe that Canelo won the, the second fight. And when I say definitely, I'm talking seven to five, you know, six, five, one stuff for both fights. I'm not saying definite, like the scorecard, obviously for Canelo 10 to two, that's ridiculous. But I'm also not going to be like Teddy Atlas and just come from like a emotional kind of fanboy thing to say Golovkin won 10 to well, he was saying that on uh, ESPN after the fight that, that Golovkin won 10-2 in the first fight. That's nonsense. That's bullshit. He, he didn't win 10-2. Like I said, you can, you, know, you can separate a horrible scorecard and not turn around and submit a horrible scorecard right back. You know what I mean? So, so you know, it'd be nice to get an outcome on this trilogy, but as we know, because it's taken so much time, four years, like I said, which is hard to believe. I'm also now because I'm going to watch it in the theater. I'm going to I will have ha- uh, watched this whole trilogy in the theater. I was just thinking about that. But anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't think it's going to be this completely just dominant performance. I do, you know, I do favor Canelo, obviously, but I don't think he's going to knock him out. I, it's not that he can't. You know, could Golovkin win? Yeah, he could. He can. But I just don't think he probably will. But I also probably don't think could, could it happen that he that Canelo knocks him out? It could, but I highly doubt that. You know, um, I think it's going to go twelve rounds. Most people do, um, who, who predict constantly uh, week by week anyway. But either way, um, I'm just looking forward to the fight. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to it. So, um, hold on. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, boy. We got some fanboy Golovkin and Canelo messages already. All right. That's what I like to see. Um, but, yeah, there is some other stuff that we'll get to. You know, it seems like we're inching closer and closer to the Tyson Fury-Anthony Joshua fight that no one really saw coming, um, according to – Eddie Hearn, that you know, they their side agreed to dem- December third. I think that's in Cardiff, if I, if I remember correctly. But instead of you know, they they were kind of set on December seventeenth. They said they accepted those terms. We know last week, you know, they accepted the sixty forty. They accepted a lot. So maybe that they're so accepting, maybe this whole joint pay per view stuff could come true. Um, and, and to be honest with you, you know, we talk about the joint pay-per-view a lot. Some of the, like Charlo Munguia is just a silly one to sit there and be like, it has to be that. Um, you can at least make some sort of argument with um, Ryan Garcia and Gervonta, or at least say that the zone could get the, you know, could get the live streaming throughout the world 
and maybe, you know, obviously not here. I don't know how that's, that's going to work out, if it even does. But the fight itself here, especially during football, unless they use that marketing, you know, towards football or, you know, for football during the games and whatnot, which, by the way, I did see multiple commercials. I saw one commercial for Canelo Trilogy or Canelo Golovkin Trilogy during the uh, the the Alabama-Texas game, which got a huge rating. Saw it in some other games, too. Um, so that's refreshing. That's kind of nice. There hasn't been a big presence online, though, I'll say that, which is a little surprising. But um, So the people that are saying, you know, there's zero promotion, well, that it didn't cost zero to get on that spot, I'll tell you that. So had they overdone it, or not overdone it, but really – you know, had that commercial running everywhere? No, no, that that's for sure. They haven't. But to say zero is kind of silly. But anyway, here, Anthony Joshua and Fury is not a huge pay-per-view, right? I think it could do some numbers. I think it will be on pay-per-view. But over in the U.K., it's an absolute monster. I mean, well over a million, maybe two million. You never know. You know, million and a half. I don't know. It's a monster. It is a monster. So, the zone, obviously, they want in on that, and they have a huge. I mean, he. You can still say he's the A side in a sense, as far as marketability over the last, you know, chunk of time, five years or whatever, longer than that. So now Tyson Fury just fought Dillian White, and they did a monster gate, the biggest sports gate ever at Wembley. So I can understand. And, you know, Josh was coming off two losses and all that, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes but maybe since that side is so willing hey we'll take the 40 on the 60 hey december 3rd works they've been at least you know on paper <laughs> um they've been giving so maybe that bt sport to zone joint pay-per-view can help and will help I, I think it's possible here just because it's not a huge thing here you know not not the way it is like i said a, i mean it's a humongous pay-per-view and it usually takes you know sizable pay-per-views or some reason like that when you when it comes to here uh you know tyson holyfield mayweather pacquiao to to have the the you know the the dueling like a pay-per-view joint network pay-per-view that that's very difficult to pull off in a short amount of time especially uh we did see the espn fox but you know a lot of people say that's the blueprint kind of but they had already agreed to terms for that second fight even before ESPN got involved. So it's a little bit different. You know what I mean? It's a little bit different. But once you agree to terms, man, it's almost done. It really is. That That's usually how these fights work now. Maybe it won't happen here because, you know, there's a lot to take care of in a little amount of time. I think it's awesome if the U.K. actually gets this fight, which it sounds like it will. That's really dope. Um, but, you know... It's boxing, so you never really know. I mean, Charlo and Munguia agreed to terms, and we saw how that worked. So I don't know. I mean, if Tyson Fury wants to kind of just make a pretty late offer to fight, you know, <laughs> Anthony Joshua, they got to give, too, because this is a quick turnaround, especially coming off two losses. But um, let's hope it gets done. We'll talk a little bit about that, but not too much. I basically kind of gave my thoughts on it. Um, other news, it sounds like Spence and Crawford 
is still in negotiations, and most of it, according to Lance Pugmire, and I did hear this from others, um, that Fox and Showtime are actually battling for it. Um, you know, and, and is Heyman positioning himself to try to re-up with Fox and using this as, hey, man, if you could get Wilder Ruiz and Spence and Crawford, maybe two fights of those, maybe they turn into a trilogy, he could talk them into saying, hey, they're not talk them into, but, you know, use that. Or Regardless, the money's going to go up for the fighters and whatnot anyway if you have two networks going head-to-head. So I think it's a good sign that those negotiations could have already taken place. They could already know, you know what I mean? Um, but the fact that, what was that, September 4th, September 5th, something like that, for Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz, the fact they didn't announce it then, you know, you'd think that would be the ideal time to do it. Now, I guess they could wait, you know, until October. But then again, if it's Fox, Fox does have the Super Bowl this year. So maybe they will will push it back, um, not try to do it in November, and actually use the, the playoffs in the NFL and maybe a commercial, you know, in the Super Bowl, which would be crazy. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. We'll see, though. There is some other uh, fight news. Uh, Jermall Charlo uh, was in the news as far as clearing his name and other fight news and, and some, of course, some boxing Twitter stuff. But, hey, if this, the, most of this show is going to be, you know, centered around the Canelo versus Golovkin trilogy, but if this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope-A-Dope Radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope-A-Dope and download the show directly there listen to the browser. You can find this platform, Rope-A-Dope Radio, on a variety of places. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, FM, Spricker, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and a host of other uh, platforms. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrillingtruth.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or, you know, you did and you're not quite happy, I got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream. It's the best of live uh, TV and on-demand, no annual contracts, no hidden fees. Plus, you get to enjoy regional sports networks, which is not, you know, not the easiest thing to do nowadays. Um, the prices start for a limited time as low as forty nine ninety nine for two months. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate package, that'll give you three free months of Showtime, Stars, Cinemax, and Epics. And by the way, boxing fans, uh, Showtime is $11 on this platform. And they also have a DirecTV deal, which I think is probably going to be done here soon, uh, that three months, five fifty per month. So it looks like Showtime might close with some strong cards. Maybe you do that, maybe you don't. I say that just because it sounds like Paramount and Showtime something I talked about a long time ago, numerous times, it it sounds like there's going to be a connection there beyond just this bundle, which funny enough has people saying, Eddie and Bob Aram are right. Showtime's going out of business. And it's, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Anyway, that's direct TV strength. So like I said, over the weekend, um, you know, we, we had, you know, a disappointment. You know what I mean? Like, of course it was a disappointment that those fights didn't take place. But starting out with Showbox, we'll cover, you know, some fights a little bit here. The Showbox card, uh, Boca Chica 
versus uh, Via, Roman uh, Via. And, you know, this this was, I don't know, it's kind of like uh, for a second there it felt like, I don't know, it felt kind of like one, I don't know, but for me, God, I'm all over the place. I'm looking at these, oh, my God, these messages, these are just funny. But early on, right, early on, I thought uh, Boca Chica looked pretty good. You know what I mean? For me, I thought he, I thought he was pretty good there. I thought, all right, dude, he, you know, he's looking pretty good. Uh, but Via did close with some really nice body shots. Boca Chica was just basically the busier of the two to open it up. Um, but there is this combination that Roman Via threw these early combinations, just crazy. Just I'm talking quick. It's not the speed per se, but he was just letting it rip. And it was a big looping right hand and a left combo that landed and uh, knocked him down. And we're talking like early in the fight, Via follows it up with several big shots. And then there was a break because uh, Boca Chica, his mouthpiece went out. Pretty long break. And it was kind of weird because it was in the motion. You know how you're, like, supposed to let whatever's happening happen? To me, the ref, who's usually a good um, ref, he – I think it was Harvey. Yeah, pretty sure it was Harvey. But, honestly, I was kind of like, oh, really? You're going to stop it right there, though? I don't, I don't I don't know why you stopped it right there. It, it, that that kind of threw me off, I have to admit. Um, but then it happened again. And there was another break. And like I said, he went down hard. I mean, he went down hard. So it was kind of like, what the hell is going on? Like, why why is he getting these damn breaks? Like, that, I mean, I understand why he's getting it. But the first one kind of bugged me because it was like, dude, the action was still going on. Like, you can't, you can't just, you know, stop it right there. And, of course, you know, they did. But it was kind of like, what the hell are you stopping this, you know, fight for? It, it just, I, I couldn't, that one threw me off a little bit. Um, but, oops, shoot. I think this sounds okay. Someone just, someone just said that they, yeah, I don't know. Someone said that they're having a little issues hearing me. I haven't heard it from other folks. Um, but maybe it's on your side. Maybe it's on mine. Not totally sure. But anyway, back to the fight. So then there was, like I said, another break. And basically they're like, all right, finally we're going to deduct a point from you. So it turned out to be a 10-7 round because, uh, you know, Boca Chico was clearly just doing that. You know, he's like, forget it. You know, let's, let's just not do it. And then for the third, fourth, and fifth, it was definitely via. Uh, landed the better shots, um, you know, some to the body, but overall just harder shots, uh, the lead right hands. He was just busier, you know. Um, now, I'd say I think it was a sixth round that uh, – okay, he says he can hear me now, so I think we're, I think we're good to go. But Boca Chica came back, had a nice bounce back in the sixth round. I thought the seventh had a lot of good back and forth. Uh, and you can kind of see Via was slowing down a little bit, right? For a little bit anyway. But then maybe the last 60 seconds or so, 
he definitely, you know, sped back up, so to speak. He landed the harder shots once again. Um, and, and I just thought the body work, it, it was, you know, it was, it was a competitive round though. Uh, another fun eighth round, good back and forth. Um, several flush right hands by Via. Short shots when he kind of wildly swing at him. Um, and, and that was it. You know, so I had it six to two in favor of Roman uh, Via. Or was it Roy- Royman? Royman Via? Either way, he, he won 87 or 79-81 on two scorecards in it was Harvey Doc who was the ref, by the way. I didn't finish that. I just realized that. 78-72. So, um, you know, I thought it was it was a clear win from him. He definitely, uh, you know, 187 to 117 and landed 41% of his shots, 48 to 16 to the body as well. So I thought that was a really good performance, and I definitely want to see more from him. Then you go to uh, Frenzy. Um, Fortunato, Fortunato, uh, going against Bernard Torres. And now this, to me, you know, this was a good competitive fight. You know, I, I really liked what I saw in this fight. thought it was a pretty good fight. Um, the early, you know, I think 10-9 was a good, you know, Torres started out a little stronger, I thought. Um, just, a, just a couple of better lands. You know, early and midway through that round, I do think uh, Fortunato closed pretty well. Some decent shots. Uh, the second round, competitive round, Fortunato. It was a slow round, though. It was very slow. Um, Fortunato, though, for the – I don't know. I, Torres was jabbing pretty well in there. I don't know. It was really slow. Not a whole lot happened. Um, so you could – I guess you could say you could give it to, you know, both guys. I thought uh, – Fortunato started going to the body pretty well in the third. I gave Torres the third, but that was close. Um, and then the 10-8 round by Fortunato, 50 seconds. Uh, I think it was 50 seconds left. It was a big right hand. Um, just a great, great timing shot. Knocked him down. And I thought he was overall busier. So it was 10-8. to eight. But, you know, I did think Torres bounced back pretty nicely. Um, he came back with some a little bit more energy behind it, landing well. Uh, Torres had some good defense, and he was landing his uh, counter rights, uh, those right hooks that he landed a lot. Um, but it was it was competitive. It was good. I just thought it was a good bounce back round, considering what had just happened. Um, Fortunato, I gave him the six cleaner shots, just overall busier. I thought the seventh went to Torres, better lands. I gave the the eighth to Torres as well. Um, big left hand. Big, big left hands were kind of the difference there. I'd say Torres overall had uh, somewhat control of the distance throughout the fight. A couple of nice right hands, though, by uh, Fortunato. Ninth round was a close-ass round. It it really could have went either way. As you're, you know, seeing, I I do think that a lot of these rounds were pretty close. And I gave Torres kind of the early work uh, in that tenth round whereas Fortunato didn't do enough, I thought, to close out that fight. Six to four, I had it. Um, but it was close, man. It was a competitive fight. Um, Torres outlanded him 123 uh, to 98, landed at a higher percentage, 29 to 18. I think that's where that defense came in as well. Um, and then, 
you know, they both went to the body Fortuna or not Fortuna Fortunato. Um, actually, I'll, I'll land him to the body. I thought if he would have done that more, that would have helped. Uh, Thirty-six to twenty-four. Um, but and I had Torres win six six to four. Um, one judge had it ninety-four nine or ninety-five ninety-four. Fortunata ninety-five ninety-four. But then ninety-seven ninety-two for uh, Fortunato. And I'd like to see a rematch on this one. I gotta say because I'm I'm perfectly okay with Fortunato winning, or it's a draw, or Torres winning by a little bit, five four one six four five five whatever. You know, I get that. But I didn't. I definitely did not see ninety seven ninety two. Not that that's a crazy scorecard because it's not. But I guess I just didn't see. Well, yeah, I didn't see him. I didn't see Fortunato with that score, you know. Um, but it's but it's a close. It was a close fight, you know. Um, and like I said, I, I guess it's because I'm I'm more biased on. I had it either a draw or six to four Torres, so it's it is a little bit harder for me to see six to four on the other side. Um, but it's really not that crazy because you know ninety seven ninety three, you know. That's that's what the score was with you know, and you add the knockdown, or you I guess you could say you could you know subtract the knockdown that makes it ninety two, and so you know the five points it makes it look like well dude wait a second what was the scorecard but you know um, I don't know I just would have lost I just I don't know I think it was a round too much basically to give to either guy but you know for that matter to either guy so. I wouldn't mind if they did a rematch of that one. I would like to see that. Maybe they go their separate ways and come back to this in a year or two. That would be cool, too. We'll see. Um, and in the main event, um, Joseph Adorno against Hugo, what was it, Roldan? Um, you know, this was a really, really good fight. Really competitive fight. Um, Adorno, it was a super slow start, though. Super slow. The first round was slow as hell. Um, and, you know, Adorno, I thought, was losing the second round. Um, the action picked up in the second round, though, no doubt about that. Um, there was a, a really a couple of at least three or four nice hard left hands uh, by Hugo. Um, counter left hands, that was something that Adorno does a lot. It was a left hook behind the ear, kind of back of the head that knocked him down. So that gave him the 10-8 round. Um, and I'm not going to say, like, Roldan was just dominating that round, so it could have been 10-9. I thought he was winning the round, but obviously, um, you know, that was, the, that was the shot that did it. I did give Adorno uh, the third in the fifth. Um, I gave Roldan the fourth, um, those lead left hands. He was jabbing as well. To me, it seemed like Adorno wasn't doing as much um, in that round. It's kind of like one shot at a time. But there was a late left hook to the body that I thought, hmm, that's a question mark round in the fourth round. So that was pretty close. Adorno, I gave, where are we, fifth? I gave him the sixth. After that, um, there was some two-way action in it. I just thought, you know, he controlled distance, which he did uh, most of the, the round. He landed the better shots. Now, this is where, you know, you could really see Hugo uh, Roldan 
pick up the pace. He was busier. And at the same time, it looked like Adorno, you know, his punch rate overall, he was slowing down. He fought, I guess you could say, more of a measured pace, but it seemed like his counted more Adorno. But I'll tell you what, in, in, in the seventh, in the eighth, better shots, punch rate, all that. You know what I mean? Now, the ninth, you know, you still had uh, rolled on, like, steady with that applying pressure thing going to the head and body. But Adorno was more active, and he was landing his counter shots again in the ninth. So maybe you give him that, you know, because maybe they're a little cleaner. I did give Hugo uh, rolled on the last round. It was a close fight. Adorno, I had it 6-4, 5-4-1. All three judges saw it 95-94. Adorno outlanded him, but barely, not, not by much, 105-93. And this is what I mean by punch uh, you know, aggression and all that. 419, which isn't a ton through 10 rounds anyway, but to 339, you know, a higher percentage. And uh, Adorno did go to the body. Not a whole lot, but 23 to 14 is a decent advantage, but not crazy. Let's say that. Um, so Adorno won, and I thought he should have won, but it was a competitive fight. Considering, like, the first round, it was like, wow, how how slow pace are we going to you know, see it in this one, but then it, it, it definitely picked up and it was a very competitive, you know, um, actually they were all, well, not all of them. I, two out of the three were competitive. Good show box though. Good triple header. Um, you know, I, I like I said, even though I, I disagree, uh, with that one scorecard for the co-feature, it still was a pretty damn good card. Uh, so I was happy there. In other action, you did have that uh, Valle a unification victory. I think it was in Puerto Rico. Big crowd there. Uh, what is it, Yocasta? Yeah, I think it's Yocasta. She did good. Uh, she um, she dominated it, really. Um, she, like, threw in combination a lot. Um, she was targeting the head and body with combinations uh, mid to late in that fight. Easy win there. As far as the Pro Box TV, which, by the way, is $2 a month, $1.99 a month, um, hopefully they can keep bringing fights on there. And, and the con- You know, they have a variety of stuff. They have some prospect nights. They have uh, that last man standing thing. So hopefully it's basically prospect and mid-level stuff right now. We'll see where it goes. Um, but you know, with, it sounds like with, uh, Triller out of boxing now, maybe they can pick up, I know they don't have a big budget, but maybe they can pick up some fights that went on there. I don't know. But, uh, Brandon Glatton scored a knockout over uh, Mario Aguilera. Um, this was the fight the ref got hit, right? I think he did by left hand. Speaking of left hands, left hand. Um, left hook to the body, finished it off in the second round. Uh, I think uh, Glatton moves to 13-0 now, 14-0, something like that. Uh, Richard Ben Cillian, I think it was Cillian, he uh, pretty much cleanly beat Hakeem Lopez. He was controlling, you know, the pace uh, a fair amount, counter left hands. Later in the fight, he got more body work, and, and he was landing these really nice uppercuts. It was like a, a couple of them in a row, but he won scorecards 78-73, two of them, and then 78-74. I 
that's about what I had it as well. Um, and then uh, there was oh that unbeaten prospect who now is six and zero with six KOs, Marcus um, Valle, and also that Otar Erroniuson. He got an easy win. Um, unanimous decision that 130 pounder uh, over Caesar Juarez, who's you know definitely a, a vet there. Um, so there wasn't that much you know two way stuff on that card, but um, we'll see where it goes for Pro Box TV. We'll see where you know we see where they go. But for two bucks a month, it's a good stream. Like I you know. It's it's just as quality as DAZN as far as stream for me. I don't know if you guys feel the same or, you know, because everybody, you know, the Internet is a little different sometimes, right? But overall, there was, you know, there was more fights to talk about. But, you know, I'm not going to break down fights that not a lot of people have watched either. You know what I mean? So um, I think that'll do it for it, uh, for my, for the recap stuff. Um we will bring in John here in just a second, see if he wants to recap any stuff that he uh, saw over the weekend. Obviously, a lot of this is going to be about this whole you know, episode. A lot of it's going to be about the trilogy. Um, like I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, you do kind of see this. I don't want to see it. It's going to be an easy knockout thing going on, and, and, and I, I just – the whole easy knockout thing, I, I, I don't really see that part, obviously. Um, like I said earlier, I just don't – I don't see it being an, like a, a one-sided – no, it could – you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's um, like a, a clean win for Canelo. Um, I don't – I mean, so let's say he doesn't knock him out, but – a lot of people are saying it's going to be Canelo for sure. And you can see even the betting odds. Um, I don't see a 10 to two fight or something like that. I mean, eight to four, I could see that if in fact we do see some of the things we've seen since that second fight with him, where he does seem like he's slowing down a little bit. Um, maybe going to the body will have even more effect. Cause like I said, the whole getting hurt thing, the only time we really see Golovkin buzzed or hurt most of the time is to the body. So his chin is granite, and it's one thing to hurt. I'm never. I'm not going to say every fighter's been hurt getting hit on the chin or at least buzzed. I mean, I was live uh, at the Mayweather-Mosley fight with a buddy, and, and we saw Cotto's brother, who some people in the crowd, casual fans, obviously, were like, well, hold on, this is Cotto? This is Okoto and Canelo are fighting. I'm like, no, no, it's his brother. But he lit him up early to the head. He was hurt on the rope, didn't look good. It's funny, that night we saw Mayweather get hit two separate times on the chin, definitely hurt um, by Mosley. That place is going nuts, by the way. But anyway, um, I just don't see this runover fight, you know, where he's just, not nah, 10 to 2, or he's going to eat TKO. He'll TKO. And I just... I mean, I guess if you're going to get a stoppage out of either of these two, I think it probably is TKO. But I just, I personally do not see um, it going down like that. I don't, I don't. I think Golovkin will have plenty of good moments slash great moments. Um, I just don't see why he wouldn't, you know what I mean? 
Um, just with this jab alone, a jab and a chin, you know what I mean? That Those go a far away in boxing. And no matter when box, you know, what generation, you know, what decade, but especially now, if you got a good chin and you got a good jab, you can win some rounds. You know, you can, you can do a lot of damage. So I'm not calling for a Golovkin, you know, victory. I do think Canelo will win. And I just think either Canelo by decision or just Canelo winning straight up, you know, the, the fight going a decision, I think is a, is obviously a pretty good, uh, pretty good bet. If you ask me, um, we will get into a little bit more details, uh, as far as, you know, the fight plans are both. We've seen a little bit of everything in this fight from the first to the second. We saw the uh, quote-unquote Mexican style um, in the second fight. Um, and, you know, how that side, the Golovkin side, is really pushing Sanchez and everyone really pushing that message to Canelo. And it was kind of funny how Canelo flipped it on him. And he started pushing him back. And all of a sudden you saw Golovkin a little bit on the outside using his jab. Um, it's not something I think for the whole fight he can win doing that, but it was kind of interesting to see how it flipped. And obviously the rivalry, these, these guys don't like each other. It's clear as day for a variety of reasons. Um, and like I said before, I do think Golovkin won the first fight, but I do think Canelo won the second fight. I also think four years later, it, you know, I don't think, the outcome of this, like I said, historically going down in history, I think whoever wins this will be like, yep, he won it, clearly. But we all know that Golovkin's not in his prime. But I do think, and I think I said this earlier in the show, I'm not a big fan, or not a fan of, but like, I think it's bullshit, I'll just put it that way, that people say Golovkin was faded in the second fight. Because how in the hell can you finish those few rounds? If you're faded, right, you're not the same guy you were from the first fight. So a year later, because obviously what he fight, was it Marta Rosian? Is that who he had to fight really quick? Or not had to, but wanted to get a fight in because, uh, you know, because Canelo got busted. I think that was what it was. Um, so that – so. It, you're telling me the fight itself took it? So the fight he won, in most people's eyes, took out of him so much that he was a shell of himself in the second fight? How do you finish the last chunk of rounds if you're a shell of yourself? That's where I don't know. Now, since that second fight, if you look at two separate fights since then, because, you know, two of the fights you can't get much out of at all. The Murata fight, you could at least make an argument and go, well, shit, he did look like he was getting beat up there for a second. But obviously, the Derevchenko fight, that, that's the fight you go, yeah, he doesn't look the same on that one. He doesn't look the same. It looks like he did lose a step. But the whole losing a step, I thought that was bullshit. But we've now seen it enough. And maybe off of that first and second fight, all that stuff wrapped into it, did fade him. I, I'm, I'm, I'm down to see that. But I just think it's a little bit biased towards Golovkin to say the second one he was washed. I, I, you know, or not washed, but you know what I mean? That he was past his prime. Because there's a lot of people, media members too, that say that. And I'm just like, 
I just don't know how you finish the fight that positive with that much energy, with that much oomph, if you're not still where you were entering the fight. I don't know. I, I just I always had an issue with that, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. I, that's just my personal opinion. Anyway, um, yeah, let's go ahead and bring in John to the fold here and see what he thinks about this weekend's fight and all that good stuff. What's going on, John? How you doing? Hey, Chris. Uh, great to be here as always, and of course, a lot to discuss, as you've already uh, prefaced with the Canelo Triple G 3 coming up Saturday night with all the, the history that they've had uh, up to this point. And uh, I agree with you, the, the show box on uh, Friday was a was a pretty good uh, addition of Showbox. So uh, maybe just throwing a couple of thoughts on that before we jump back into yeah. the Canelo Triple Three, and we can just go with that the rest of the way since there's plenty to talk about with it. But, uh, yeah, I thought the Showbox was one of their uh, better additions recently. Um, that Boca Chica Villa fight was a real good fight, and we know welterweight is arguably the deepest division in boxing. I, I think in terms of depth it is. Uh, for certain, and you know, you, you have Cross, you have uh, Spence, and uh, Crawford at the top. So you've also got an argument for for it being the best with who you've got there. I just say that because you know, then you got a good fight with some uh, up and coming types like Villa and Boca Chica, and it just doesn't mean. Of course, they're not on that level, but it just reminds you of the depth of that division. It always just seems to me like it keeps getting deeper and deeper. And that was a real good performance by. Via because he, uh, he came out sharp early and, and really hurt Boca Chica badly. But Boca Chica came back and showed a lot of heart and was competitive the rest of the way. You know, he he at least he stayed competitive the whole way. I mean, I agree with every everybody pretty much saying you know you know certainly won the fight. But uh, Boca Chica stayed in it, was landing his own shots. The guy really showed a lot of heart. So I think I think that's a type of performance that we just shouldn't forget about him either. He's certainly at the very least the guy that's going to come to fight. And for Villa, he's got, uh, you know, high KO percentage, of course, a lot of against lesser opposition, but he showed against Boca Chica, he can bring the power. And, you know, he's a guy to, uh, to look for in the future. If he's fighting more in the U S uh, full, full confession and not anything really against it. But like you said, it was the lesser of the three fights. I, I did doze off. You, you got to give the East Coast people a break on that sometimes with some of these cards. <laughs> I did do, I did doze off during the second fight, but uh, got it back together for Adorno and Roldan, and uh, that was a good fight. I mean, Adorno, he brings the entertainment. Um, you know, he's got some skill. He's got power. You know, he'll, he'll get into these brawls at times, and uh, you know that that was that was a good fight. And Adorno showed the power again. The guy's really very entertaining to watch. You know, he, he had that fight against Rivera when he's coming over to PBC that was a little disappointing. Didn't break out really for either guy. Didn't didn't break out in the action you suspected. But Adorno's been in enough good fights. You know, he's had trouble making the weight here and there and stuff. And top rank dropped the, him and his brother. But uh, I think I said it at the time. I I still think it, especially after Saturday. Good, good pickup for PBC. And I'd mentioned that when they got picked up and it fit the theme, you know, I think Atlantic City has been primed for a boxing comeback for a while because you go to AC now, it's still got some flaws, but 
a lot of the hotels are back in full swing. You know, some of them are uh, different ownership, different branding now, and the boardwalk's going good. And, uh, you know, you have a good fight history there. So, and, you, you know, the Adornos are from eastern Pennsylvania. Um, you know, I, I think that when PBC does East Coast stuff, um, guys like that who provide entertainment are good candidates to be part of it. And I think Atlantic City is going to start making a comeback with that. So uh, Bally's has had a lot of. I hope so. Too. I hope so. That'd be yeah. nice. We need more. I think we need more. <laughs> you know, we need more places that we do. Is easy to travel. Hotels to be able to have everybody be able to walk to the event and stuff like that. Exactly. That's what I like. What just what you said, Chris. That's when when I go to fights in person. I like just what you said. It's actually. That, that's nice about the modern settings and even when you had the Vegas fights and that's why they had the big fight fees because it brings people in. Yeah, you, you stay at the hotel, you walk to everything. Of course, you got casinos and then unlike even, you know, Vegas has the, the pools they made up for it with, but, you know, Atlantic City's got the, they got the boardwalk and the beach right there. You know, you're close to Philly, you're close to New York. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a good, I, I really could see even the city coming back. So, uh, and, and as a resort, seeing it coming back. So I think the boxing can definitely be a part of it. It has been in the past. So, uh, and Bally's is really out of the places in Atlantic City. It's one of the ones that have um, been fixed up real nicely. I've been there recently myself. Um, and r- running the marathon there in October, that's where I'm, that's where I'm staying. So I'll, I'll have another report. But uh, I, I, like, I like the way a lot of things are looking there. It's, it's kind of come back. Uh, especially since the pandemic, like everywhere else, but but you see good things. So good to see the boxing there. And I think Adorno's fit good there. You, you, even today, you can build some build some East Coast followings with the population base. So that was a good for, win for him. You know, as, as they pointed out, it's it's kind of been unusual in the way Showtime does things for someone to go to fight on Showbox after they were already on the. Showtime main shows like Adorno, but I think he made the right move. Uh, that's a headlining good win for him. Uh, and, and I thought that was a good card. We need more competitive fights in boxing. We talk about it, but it's just a fact, you know, as you and I have talked about. That's why I wanted to give kudos to the Showbox card from Friday. You know, these infomercial type fights where really it's just trying to showcase a guy and, and the opponent's nothing and it's not going to be competitive. Too, way too much of that. I mean, you know, there's even pay-per-view cards that are that are all, all close to those lines. So um, good to have the competition. But then the downside was, you know, as somebody pointed out, and I think it's correct. I mean, you look at boxing Twitter, which is pretty much all hardcore fans, and and you don't even seem to have those people really that many of them watching the show box cards. And, and these are the competitive fights. So, um that is a bit of a, I think that's a bit of a problem. Um, you know, you, you need at least these, uh, at least these competitive fights to, uh, to get some viewership. And, you know, we've gone over all that. That's some of the problems with premium cable. Uh, but at least these, uh, you know, you'd like to get these fights where even more people can see them. Even, even though Showtime has more subscribers than some other platforms still, you'd like to, especially these types of competitive fights, like to, like to see these viewed a little more by hardcore fans, of course, but then even you know, these would be fights better for if there were many casual fans or any left out there to, to come across. So 
I, I thought that was good for the competition, but we can move on uh, to the big fight uh, Saturday night. Yeah, and, you know, to an extent anyway, I understand, you know, when it takes four years for a trilogy to be made, you know, since 2018, it was 17, 18, and then there was a long gap and all that. And so I understand. And it's not a quote-unquote fresh fight. Uh, you know, people looking forward to a possible Fury Josh, Josh or Spence Crawford or, you know, a variety of other fights. But they just, you know, they kind of downgraded this one a little bit. And, you know, clearly there isn't as much hype around this one because it's kind of hard to beat just because of the time frame. Um, Now, the people that are saying that they have zero promotion going on, I do push back. Don't get me wrong. I haven't, you know, right when the fight got made – I did have a couple buddies talk to me about it. I am going to uh, a, a theater with three other guys, uh, and most of them follow boxing somewhat. None of them are like hardcore fight fans anymore, but they do follow it. They know. Um, so I, I understand, like this, like online presence. It is a little over the top. I'm seeing political ads right now, John, uh, locally on my YouTube. Um, about the governor's race and stuff like that and other stuff rather than what is normally there, a zone commercial. Um, so it, online, the present, you know, the, the online promotion has actually been lower, but I, I do have to say that dur- – and it did over 10 million, by the way. The, the, the Alabama-Texas game, which was a lot closer than everybody thought it would be, there was an ad there. Now, it was kind of shortened to the point, but, hey, it costs a lot of money to get in those games. So, to say zero promote, and I saw it uh, watching two other college football games, I think Thursday, Friday, and then I saw it on Saturday. So, to say, to say zero promotion, I think that's ridiculous because I saw a damn commercial in the biggest game, and that, that actually got help. I mean, the biggest game in college football, I mean, preference by that. But, you know, if you're not promoting during football, you do get lost in the shuffle at times. We've talked about how sometimes the fall's good, how Showtime actually does slow down. Uh, They actually didn't, besides the show box card, they didn't have a championship boxing uh, in in September. Um, So I wouldn't say there's been no promotion, but, yeah, it's definitely not like a normal – I saw way more Ruiz Ortiz watching sports through a two-week period, I'd say, maybe even longer than I saw this one. But, you know, the buzz is tough. The zone doesn't, you know, they have to pay to be on other platforms, and it's not easy to do that because, you you know, you probably got to overpay a little bit or a lot of bit sometimes. But the hype isn't the same, obviously. Uh, the ticket sales are, on average, when you look at, you know, other fights comparatively, yeah, it's a phenomenal gate, but when you compare it to, you know, the first and second, it doesn't look like it'll do even what the second does. They priced it like it's going to be um, the anticipation is, is right there, and also the pay-per-view price. Uh, I think I want to say that the second fight was $85, but obviously if you're a DAZN subscriber, it's only $65. But um, – so, yeah, I mean, we've talked about how, you know, as far as we'll get into 
the X's and O's as far as, you know, what fighter needs to do this to that, you know, to, to win the fight. But, you know, I don't see – this is a huge thing for the zone. We talked about it a, a couple times over the last couple months how, you know, if they can get a million pay-per-view buys and it does a 20-plus million-dollar gate, um, it definitely helps the zone's brand in a lot of ways. It really does. And if you want to be, you know, the the Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis fight, if you want to sit there and be like, hey, you know, we want a joint pay-per-view and here's why. Look what we were able to do um, with such a name brand and a name brand fight. Golovkin's a name brand, too. People know this fight. The first one did 1.3. Second one did 1.1. First fight did $27 million at the gate. The second one, they... They really bumped up the, 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 the prices, and it, it did kind of bite them. It only did 23 but when I say only, that's a whole lot of money. Um, I think it was $18 million that Canelo and Plant did. I believe it was 18 Was it 16 or 18 which is a huge one, too. But they better at least do what Caleb Plant, which is what would they say, 850 or something like that, 800000 I yeah, think it was. 800000 yeah, eight fifty. They got to do that at least. Yes. Yeah, they got to do that at least, and they are in a tough spot because it is four years later. So just a lot of people talk talk about this fight and the outer stuff about it, and how you know, and we've been talking about this, how important this is for the Zone brand in the United States. Let me preference that in the United States. Um, what are your thoughts in general? Because I will say, Fight Week. Um, the only people I've gotten a text messages from is the people I'm going to the fight with and what time to meet and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I think this, you reminded me, and I still believe it, we've, we've been talking about this for, for months, a long time, and I think it still holds. This, this really is it for U.S. The Zone. Uh, it's, it's the pay-per-view part, but they've, they've got to make something happen with this fight. Like you correctly pointed out, you got to be fair to Golovkin. He's nowhere near on Canelo's level and never has been. But if you look at his HBO numbers in the late days of HBO, now, got to also say they tried him with Lemieux on a pay-per-view. He couldn't sell. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't do it on his own, basically, um, abysmal numbers. But his HBO numbers – were seven figures, I mean, which at that stage of HBO was good. I mean, he, he was solid. So you're right. He brings something to the table. But this has been the part that people have trouble getting, but it's just the way it is. You know, like you said, you compare it to a Canelo plant, whether people want to like it or not. I mean, plant with, with the Fox exposure, you know, when, when you keep getting seen and, and PBC had him out there on – regular TV, so to speak, from when he was coming up, he'd been, he'd been seen, you know, he'd been seen in the U.S. Um, and that's why that was a good combo with Canelo, because, you know, we know how Canelo can sell if, if the marketing's there and in the U.S. And, you know, he sells somewhat anyway and, and with the right opponent. So, yeah, that probably is a good barometer. You know, now the zone, we've talked about their problems and you, you pointed out practical matter of it. Um, you know, they've got to buy time. They don't have their own TV network in the U S so 
for, for promotion when they want it to get seen by a lot of people. They got to buy time. They can't do it themselves. Uh, I haven't seen personally any ads uh, like that for this. You saw it on the college football. I'd say it's good that they're doing it, even though they had to buy and that's expensive for them. Hey, if they're serious about it, they've got to do it. Now, I've mentioned before when we talked, you weren't getting as many, but I still am. I, I know enough about the modern marketing um, that I know I'm being targeted. In other words, they know what I watch. So what I've been getting bombarded with in the last week, two week to two weeks, is you know when I go on an app or something like that, uh, listening to like the Odyssey app, uh, things like that, I'm getting bombarded with Canelo triple G to zone ads, but that's a little different because you know, they're, they're, they're buying that just to, just because who I am. And you know, they're smart enough to know, they know I've got the zone in other words. So, you know, the zone doesn't have that many subscribers in the U S so they're running there. That's relatively low cost. They're, they're running that at people that they know have the zone already to try to make sure that they at least buy it. That's not really, ads broadening out now i have not myself personally seen any other broader broader ads um i don't nobody i know is talking about it um you know and and that's just anecdotal so you don't know what that's going to mean as this fight's gotten closer normally i mean i've always thought even with this third fight i'd like to see it good matchup i still feel that way but you know, and it's not that there's not others that are arguably worse, but I've found as it's actually kind of surprised me as we've gotten closer to this fight. I, I'm feeling pay-per-view fatigue. I mean, that's not just the zone; that's with all of them. And Top Rank's done it the least lately, but even they, if you want to just bring them in as an equal opportunity employer on this, I mean, they threw Fury White at us. Uh, it's not as much as we've seen. Uh, lately from PBC and, you know, the zone entering the pay-per-view game when basically like people criticizing with the truth, they did lie. Basically, let's face it. I mean, they lied and got people subscribing to the zone under the premise that it was the death of pay-per-view. We knew the commercials in the U S with Tracy Morgan. I mean, that's, let's say that's, that's pretty damn weak. Um, so yeah. I, I have, I have paper. I'm going to say it because now that we're less than a week out, I, I'm feeling it big time. I mean, just even if psychological, yeah, it's not that I can't break out. You know, I've already got the zone, the 69 bucks or whatever. But, you know, sometimes it truly does become the principle and and you just don't like the whole thing. And, and I'm feeling it on this one as we've gotten closer, even though I've always been a big fan of Canelo. I respect. Uh, the Lovekin and especially the power he's always brought. Um, so, you know, I, I respect the two fighters. I've enjoyed the first two fights a lot. I think they're fights we're going to remember uh, in the future. We already talk about them a lot, and, and they're going to be historical fights that we'll always be talking about. They were both for the lineal middleweight title, you know, which is historical as well. Um, so, like the first two, but as we're getting a few days out on this one, and I think it'll be a good fight. I'm even still think it'll be a good fight, but. I'm feeling the pay-per-view fatigue, and even though I like Sam Rodriguez as an up-and-coming star, and he's fighting fought two times this year, people get start to overrate that. Though I mean, yeah, he's making it. This is what we talk about the infomercial stuff. He's making an appearance. You know, he's making an appearance against an overmatched foe. Okay, 
it's another fight this year, but that doesn't that doesn't make me feel better about forking out sixty nine ninety nine when I've already got the zone for Canelo Triple G three because Bam Rodriguez is going to fight a guy that's basically got no hope against him. And the rest of that undercard is brutal as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know, we've got the return of Gabe Rosado. I mean, heck, you know, Gabe was kind of a lovable guy, always hanging around. But I'm just going to say it because, hey, it's a tough business. But, you know, it's it's probably been enough. I, I said that it's his choice. But when you lose to Shane Mosley Jr., <laughs> when you lose to Shane Mosley Jr., we don't want you on our next pay-per-view, you know. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry. You know, that that's so I've got a lot of. And, you know, it's the same for when PPC's got too many pay-per-views. I'm not just saying it because the zone, but I think that this undercard sucks. And I, that's, a, that's a bad taste, not really the entertainment value of the fight itself. Um, and, you know, Chris, something I always like to use, I, I, I like to do this when evaluating fighters, and sometimes I, I find it is also effective when there just seems to be um, something missing in a matchup, and you've you know, you've heard me talk a lot about it a lot before at this stage. Every once in a while, I like to just go back to that analysis. If there was still eight weight classes and there was still one champ a division, what would this fight be? And that kind of helps you on this one because let's look at that for a second. I mean, if there was, if there was eight weight, well, the first two, and let's put it in perspective. With that analysis, the first two fights between Golovkin and Canelo – would have still been for the middleweight championship. In other words, you know, in, in any in any era. I mean, realistically. So that's a big, you know, that's a big fight. You know, it would have been Canelo champ basically with you know Golovkin number one contender. I mean, that's a big fight. You know, that that's like you're talking pay per view type of fight in a more modern era, a closed circuit past. Um, big fights. Now, what do we have now? Really, we've got Canelo coming off a loss at light heavyweight and and you know so if there was eight divisions i mean the alphabet's just made up 168 yeah i know it's been 35 years and 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 things but it, you still have to keep a little bit of perspective on it it's just an expansion division for for no real purpose other than the alphabets to make money so if that didn't exist it's, it's a light it's canelo's been at light heavyweight he just lost to the number one light heavy contender in b-ball He's still a top 10 light heavy. Golovkin's been fighting at middleweight. I mean, he's argued, but he's never captured the lineal title. He failed on the opportunities with Canelo. So, you know, he, he's arguably the number, I think he's probably the number one middleweight contender still at this point. It's like, but moving up to light heavyweight to fight another light heavyweight contender. You know, to me, sometimes you break it down like that and, and it kind of shocks you into the reality of what might be missing a little bit because then people who like all alphabet stuff and say, oh, well, these things have changed and stuff. Okay, so Canelo's the, you know, 168, a division we really don't need. He, he's, the, he's clearly the champ of it. Okay. But, you know, it's not a, it's not a real historical division. Um, I, I think, it, you know, if, Canelo, if Golovkin would win this outside of even that, yeah, it just helps his legacy to get the win over Canelo. I, I do think that's significant. I'll I'll take stock of that historically, but not really because of the 168 thing. Um, but you and I both agree, too. I, I don't think Golovkin fought at 165 in the amateurs. Uh, I think a lot of knowledgeable people are looking at it that way. I mean, 
this is an alphabet division. It's, it's the move up in weight is not really going to matter for Golovkin here. However, this thing is decided, it's not going to be because of the weight. If somebody wants wants to throw that in Sunday morning, it's not going to be because of the weight. Um, now you talked about the age. I mean, that's that's a big factor. But but here's something I want to rhetorically throw out to these really really hardcore Golovkin boosters and fans. I mean, I, I'm willing to say 40 years old, it matters. You know, I mean, there's there's got to be things we look at with Golovkin and it matters. But I'm with you. He, he He's still been effective enough, and, he, and he's still a huge power puncher with both hands. Uh, he's been prematurely counted out of this one. He's certainly got a chance, I think, even though now he's a significant underdog with the odds. But, but here's what I was getting to with the really hardcore Golovkin backers. They want to say, well, he's 40 and – waiting too long in this, but they, they, but they won't say what Golovkin doesn't do well. You know what I mean? Like, in other words, it's all this big decline and it waited too long. And, but yet they never want to criticize anything Golovkin does. I mean, in the ring, there's never any criticism. There's never any criticism any, of anything he does. So what I'm saying is, which is it? If he's declined, tell me where he's declined. What, what doesn't he do? And they well? had him for sure win at both fights, too. So it's like, well, obviously he wasn't declined enough then, you know? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is there, there's certain fighters in boxing that have these, these, these kind of uh, uh, followings that exactly like they, they always get a pass to me where there's, there's no logic in what they say. And, and we all have to take what they say as gospel. Like, we have to take it as gospel that Golovkin won both fights. I don't think Golovkin won both fights. I don't even think he won the first fight. So, um, you know, whatever. Shout at me. I mean, I'm, I'm not changing my opinion. I mean, I have reasons for that. I had reasons at the time, and nothing's changed them. Um, you, know, you said Canelo always, not winning the fights, right? You said Golovkin won the fights, right? Well, the, they all say, right, Golovkin. No, they all say. They all say. I mean, I, I didn't think Golovkin won either fight, but I'm just saying. Okay. The, the Golovkin, I didn't know that. I, Golovkin, I thought you did. Okay. I didn't know that. No, I, I don't mind. Ian, I don't mind even getting into it. I, I did not. I mean, I thought in the first fight, I thought Canelo started strong. He faded in the middle rounds, but then I think his corner got on him, and and he rallied enough. And and I just, sure. you know, I don't, I don't think, I never just bought. I certainly, I'll say this at the least, I never bought draw as a robbery. So, you know, yeah. I mean, and, that, and again, that's a narrative I'm supposed to have to accept. I mean, because you know, of a in other words, if, because of a horrible right, scorecard. Right. In other words, right. If somebody had, and there's reasonable people who had Golovkin up 115, 113. So, and then I'm supposed to buy the draw as a robbery. Narrative, you know, that's that kind of thing, like you say. And, and you're right. Another point that makes perfect sense supposedly to all these people, Golovkin won both fights. So they here they say he won both fights. Uh, they won't identify any areas where he's flawed or slipping, which I always find comical. But but we're supposed to take it that going into this one, uh, you know, it's too late. It's not fair to Golovkin. He doesn't have the same real chance here. And I mean, I think it is actually fair to say Glovkin's 40, there's got to be some decline. But to me, I mean, I see flaws in Golovkin, you know, that I've always seen and I still see, but but his fan base doesn't want to discuss or people who are kind of blinded to him. 
and I think that's what's tough to evaluate with him is when he was younger, that competition wasn't that good. It just wasn't. So, you know, what I think is always going to be kind of the, the to me, if you evaluate it fairly, kind of the mystery of Gennady Golovkin is the four toughest fights he's been in, Jacobs, Canelo twice, and Derry Vianchenko are the four best guys he's ever fought. So when he's in nip and tuck struggles to the end with the four best guys, he's, you know, the four toughest, it's three guys, but the four toughest fights he's ever been in, it's, it's hard to say, well, yeah, he's older. Where's the decline been? Because when he was younger, these guys he was fighting comparably weren't that good. I mean, so, you know, it, it, it's always going to be a question. His, his his biggest backers then always want to speculate, you know, and they always want to say, well, when he was, you know, when it was seven, eight years ago, he would have beat every, and, and they really do talk like that. You know, he, he would have beat everybody or been a threat to beat every, any middleweight that ever lived. But we really, and we're really never going to know that. We, we don't know that. Now, I would say in his favor, and this is where a fight like Saturday can be interesting for him, if he were to somehow knock Canelo out or something like that, then then maybe you look back and you say, okay, this guy's 40. He was able to knock out Canelo, even though he didn't fight those tough opponents when he was younger. You know, we, we can maybe extrapolate a little more and say this guy was that good. But I'm with you. I don't really see it the closer it gets. But if Canelo were to knock him out, I know he's 40. But still, if Canelo were – I'm not saying this is going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. But, again, you got to look at possible scenarios. If Canelo were to shockingly blow him out or something like that. Yeah, I know he's 40, but then you got to look again. All the, the the best opponents he's fought, he's he's always had a lot of lot of trouble with. He couldn't close the deal against Canelo twice. I thought Jacobs could have easily, not easily, but I mean, I I thought you could have given Jacobs the decision against him. He did drop Jacobs. Definitely so, warranted a rematch. I, yeah, I, I definitely thought Jacobs could have gotten that decision, and I thought Derry again. To his credit, but this is where his, he's got the power. I, I, I always say that. He dropped Derek Vianchenko, but I thought Derek Vianchenko could have gotten the decision against him. So his fans don't want to talk about that as much either. But I think in his legacy, if this doesn't go well for him Saturday, you do have to, if you're going to really be fair, say this guy had a lot. I mean, you're always going to have trouble with your tougher opponents compared to other people. Let's be fair to Golovkin. But, you know, it's going to be in the – in the four or five he was ever in, you know, he, he had trouble clearly closing the deal unless he pulled something dramatic here um, Saturday night. But, and so, so what do I think, you know, Golovkin, I do think this has to be discussed and, and I think it's why he's had some of these troubles. It's, it's not only age. I mean, Golovkin, he has a power jab at times, but, but other times he's flicking it. Uh, I think when he started having trouble with these, tougher opponents than his to me uh i'm not saying he doesn't have a good jab but i I think then his his backers wanted him to be a jab master i i'm still not really buying that that's what he his effectiveness has been about throughout his career um i think it's what you said this guy's got a granite chin you know he's never been down as a pro I don't even think there's any reports of him being down as an amateur. And, you know, with him, you could believe it. I mean, he was a top amateur silver medalist. Um, The chin's for real. The chin's granite. Um, 
the power in both hands is very real. I mean, I mean, I think that's very, I think it's not underrated because we all know he's a power puncher, but I think even, even somewhat with his backers they're they, they want to talk about, they want, as he had trouble jab master and stuff, this guy's a two handed power puncher. I mean, I think you saw that again, even against Murata. I mean, he took a lot of shots early, but when he started landing, I mean, you know, Murata, it just got a point. He, he busted up and just couldn't take it. And I don't mean that toughness. It's just, you know, Golovkin's a huge puncher with both hands. Now, that's where Canelo, and I don't think this is where Canelo gets enough credit. I mean, that's where Canelo's been the kryptonite to him because Canelo's got a grand chin. He's never been down as a professional. And I think Golovkin hits harder than Canelo does. So, again, this is what people that love Golovkin don't want to give Canelo credit for ever. I mean, I think Golovkin's the harder puncher of the two. So, if Canelo's been able to take his shots over 24 rounds, what kind of chin does Canelo have? I mean, but Canelo, but the True. thing is with the kryptonite, I think, is because Canelo is also, which I think that's been obvious over the first two fights, and even, and even in the career, uh, I mean, Canelo's the better defensive fighter of these two guys. He's got better head movement. Uh, he, he's just he's just the better defensive fighter. He he doesn't take the clean shots that Golovkin does, and I think that that's also been underappreciated in these things, and that, and that's. That to me will probably be the biggest factor. I think Saturday night, um, because one thing I think Chris, you made a good point on that. I'm looking for this now for possible Canelo decline. I'm not saying it's there yet, but I'm looking for this Saturday. You called it before the big ball fight. I always love Canelo because he's such a good combination puncher, and he still is when he does it. But as you pointed out, going into big ball, and and I reiterate that because that ended up being his big problem in the fight he's kind of fallen into this one punch at a time thing you know he hurt sanders with a good shot he hurt plant with a good shot but you know he he, he's not he's not throwing the combinations all the time like he's capable or of or, or again if he is starting to decline like he was capable of i'm not ready to say that yet he's 32 but he did turn pro very young he's had plenty of fights now the two Golovkin fights were tough fights for both guys. Let's face it. Um, both guys can punch, um, you know, the 24 rounds. That, that's some tough fights. Um, I'm not going to say he's in decline yet, but we have to even open the door that he could be in decline. Um, and I think you're starting to see it with that one punch at a time. So I'm with you. I, I actually have a similar analysis where I think that this fight probably does become a distance fight again and and is even probably – somewhat close on the scorecards where, you know, I mean, I'm going to throw the opposite of some of these people who are like Canelo detractors. If the fight goes 12, what's it going to take for a Golovkin backer to say Canelo won the fight? (laughs) I mean, you know know what I mean? I mean, think about it. At least a lot of these Golovkin backers. I mean, if this fight just goes 12, are are they willing to say Canelo won the fight? I mean, it, it works both ways, you know? Um, I can see that coming. I'm with you. I think this. Is, I think this is probably going the distance. The closer I get, because I, I don't. I, I even even though I've been a big co- believer in Canelo through his career, I, I think I am at a stage where I'm looking at him at 32, and at, you, even looking at that Bivol fight, even though styles are different, and Bivol is much more defensively than better than Golovkin. Um, I don't. 
I don't see Canelo, even on Golovkin, who's easy to hit, opening up with combinations the way he's been fighting lately. I mean, I think he's capable of it, but I just, I'm just not sure he's going to do it. So that, to me, kind of removes the KO because I don't think he's going to one-punch Golovkin or, or just hit him with one big shot and get him in all kinds of trouble. It's not impossible, but I don't think that's likely to happen. So then I think it's going to come down to, I do think Canelo is the better defensive fighter. And I think he's proven that in the first two fights. So, you know, Golovkin's going to start flicking the jab out and, you know, his, a lot of Golovkin fans are going to be punch counting jabs like it's the amateurs, but I think Canelo is going to be, he'll be the one making, making Golovkin miss out of the two. And he's not going to be missing Golovkin. Um, And I I think that's probably going to be enough to get Canelo a a well-earned decision. I mean, Golovkin's defense has, you know, it's just not really that good. People have overrated it. Um, You know, he he eats right hands. I I totally agree with Chris Algieri's analysis during the Murata fight, and I noticed that a lot of the Golovkin fan club, like they said bad commentary by Algieri by Algieri in that fight. Algieri was just telling the truth. I mean, the guy is easy to hit. He's easy to hit with the right hand. He's been easy to hit. You know, as you pointed out and people point out more, I mean, you can whack him to the body. Uh, He doesn't respond to that quite as good as he responds to getting hit upstairs. Um, The guy, the guy can, the guy's there to be hit. He's always been there to be hit. I mean, you know, you had guys like Willie Monroe hitting them, and Monroe's not a puncher, but then you had Golovkin fans saying, oh, Golovkin just wanted to be hit. <laughs> Remember them literally saying that? You know, he, oh, he yeah. just wanted to be yep. hit. He, he was yeah, he was just going to take those shots, and, and he wanted to be hit. Uh, that, was his stra- <laughs> that was his strategy. Yeah, instead of I saying know. he was just more aggressive and you're going to be hit more when you get aggressive, he was like, no, he literally didn't care. He likes it, basically. He right. likes to eat it. He was hungry, he, so he, he likes it. And, so I never bought that then. And then you saw him against better opposition than Monroe, guys who can pop some, like Canelo and Derevanchenko. They were hitting him. And, and you know, and those were guys he didn't want to stand really and just trade with. And, and you know, you, Chris, you see these even more than me, but I happened to run across it. And I can't remember if it was – I think it was a zone thing. And sometimes these things aren't that good, but, but this one I did find kind of interesting, or it was a, a boxing social media site. But they had um, they had Jones, Tarver, and Malinaji discussing Golovkin. And, you know, Jones and Tarver, I mean, I think this is right. That's why I'm saying it, too. Like, you know, and, and the, some people were to acknowledge it in the second fight with Canelo, but some aren't. They, they again. They want to make the excuses for Golovkin. Well, he, he was he was using his jab and 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 that that was his strategy, backing off. But you, I heard Jones and Tarver say, and I agree with this. I don't think it's been pointed out enough. Um, you really saw it in the second fight because Canelo fought it differently than the first. You know, Can- Canelo invited him in the second fight to stand and trade, and the guy wanted no part of it. And that's what Jones and Tarver were saying. And they, they thought that that was a serious flaw. And I do, too. I mean, in other words, because – and why is it? And I think it's, it's a serious flaw as well because let's look at it just on paper outside of the mental part of it. I mean, Golovkin's got a great chin. There's no doubt about it. And, and he's got great two-handed power. I mean, I think he's got enough power to hurt about anybody. 
you know, Canelo's the only guy, again, the kryptonite. Because, look, he still, even though those guys arguably could have gotten a decision against him, he dropped Derry Vianchenko and he dropped Jacobs. That's to his credit. He, he's never dropped Canelo. So, you know, when Canelo's saying, come on, stand with me, you know, a guy who's got the chin that Golovkin's got and the two-handed power he's got, you know, outside of the mental aspect of it, he should be saying, hey, come on, you know. But, but yeah, let's do this. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to open up on you with both hands. I got power in both hands. I take a great shot. I've never been down. But let, let's do this. But he didn't want to do that. And, you know, that's, that's something that's, that's, that's a bit of a flaw there. Um, you know, can he change that in this fight? I don't think he can. And, and I think that's what Jones and Tarver were saying. I, I don't know if you saw that, but that they thought that that's what really led them to give Canelo another edge in this fight is that, you know, when Golovkin's been invited to stand and trade in the second fight, he, he, he didn't want to do it. Um, so, you know, what, what makes you think now he's going to do it? Um, there's really no reason to believe that he would. I mean, now he's 40. Um, he's not going to be dancing all over the ring, but, you know, right. that's, again, what I say. He, he, he's going to maybe get a good jab and some good jabs in. I'm not saying he's never going to get a good jab, but come on. You know, you, you don't win a 12-rounder getting a couple of good jabs in because then a lot of the other jabs are flicking. And, and to me, and this is where I get into that scoring stuff again, Chris, you know, to me it's pro boxing. And Golovkin's a two-handed puncher, but we have seen in the two Canelo fights where he, he completely – became afraid to go to the body because he was afraid of getting countered. Um, there really is no other explanation. And then he started going back to more of his amateurish type style. Like when he was an amateur, you know, flicking, flicking the jab out there in the punch counting days. Um, but again, this, that, again, this is where you have to me scoring differences, the way people look at things. I don't think it used to be as much, but I think now you've got more people, Bringing, I, I really do, especially when you've got CompuBox and these things. You, you tend to have more people just bringing that amateur scoring mindset, I think, into the pro game. I even think sometimes that's why here and there somebody will be screaming about a card being outrageous when it's not that bad. I mean, it's not amateur boxing. You know, if, if Golovkin flicks 10 jabs out there and, and you know, Canelo lands two clean right hands, I mean, you, you might be giving Canelo that round. I mean, if that's all that happens. I'm just saying it's pro boxing, you know, it's pro, it's pro boxing. So, um, and I think in these kind of fights with these guys that, you know, that, that, that happens because Canelo has got a good jab, but he doesn't use it much. So, you know, with him, it's, it's not a, he probably should use it more, but it's not a matter of, of, you know, you're going to have Canelo just jabbing. He's not going to do that. I mean, he's going to be looking the counter. Uh, He's, you know, relatively cautious like that. He's got, he's got good defense, really good, head movement rolling with the punches and, and he's going to be looking to counter and Golovkin, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, Golovkin's easy to hit. So, you know, Canelo's going to be hitting the guy, but I think we, it seems like Canelo's combination punching days might, might be behind them compared to what they used to be. I, I would say if you're going to get that big Canelo performance that a lot of people are predicting that I'm with you, I I don't think it's going to go that way the closer this thing's got. I think we're going 12 for another decision, and I think Canelo wins. But if that performance is going to come out, it's going to be Canelo using his defense and then responding with combinations and taking advantage of Golovkin's defensive weaknesses and just banging them with power shots to the head and body. Um, 
I don't think we're going to see that, but that would be a good revival for Canelo. I mean, you know, even though Golovkin is 40, if Canelo uses his defensive skill and bangs him back with a lot of power shots to the head and body and really starts busting him up or putting hurt on him, I mean, that'll, that'll be a good showing for Canelo. But, but I'm with you. I, I'm looking more. Canelo's going to defend better. Uh, he'll land his power shots. Golovkin probably be flicking the jab out some getting some power shots in, but not willing to really stand and, and just engage and try to let it all go. And that should be enough for Canelo to get a decision. Yeah, I'm not sold on the on the knockout stuff. I mean, it definitely pays, you know, pretty well. Uh, if you go the under or if you go either guy by knockout, obviously, especially, uh, you know, uh, Golovkin, but... Um, I'm just not sold. I'm definitely not sold. Um, any other items that you'd like to uh, touch upon? Any kind of new stuff? Uh, the Fury AJ stuff. Do you actually think this fight's going to be done? It sounds like, you know, we've heard the agreed to terms and all that stuff. There is a lot of uh, loose ends to tighten up before, you know, December 3rd or whatever. Um, any other items, though, that you, you want to talk about? Yeah, I'd like to discuss that, but first just reminded me, I'm glad you reminded me, Chris, because this is good, it's timely, and of course, Reliable Reporter uh, fits what we were just talking about exactly on the business end of it, and I think it's very interesting. Uh, Keith Eidick just said about an hour ago that Golovkin has said he's not going to fight with the zone again, so after this fight. Yeah. So, then, then, so I, I would say, I mean, Frank has been signing people, but I don't know it doesn't mean they couldn't do it, but I don't know exactly where he'd fit there. I, I suppose he could fight, do some fights with Hearn just in the UK. The opponents wouldn't be that interesting, but if, if he wanted to take that type of a route or the exciting route, I think, and I don't think it's being biased, let's face it, just what's available. I mean, and in yeah. the U.S. market, if he got that kind of exposure, I mean, if he went with PBC, I mean, they tried to get him before he went to the zone. I mean, they, he did. What fight was that he was at? They did bring him in for a fight. Yeah, there he, he was in the crowd and stuff, which, hey, it was a good try by PBT there. Um, oh, no, know, maybe Golovkin that was Laura. Maybe that was Laura. Okay. Yeah. I don't Golovkin know, but Arislani Laura and Charlo are at 160, and we know what's at 168 if he wanted to stay there. Well, right. That's what I mean. That's the thing. And, and you know, Golovkin knows that, too. Now, he's 40, and you do have to be fair to him. I mean, it's, it's still old for boxing. I mean, uh, that part you do have to say. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm willing to say, I think he, like I said, I think the guy's easy to, I think he he was always relatively easy to hit. He's really easy to hit now. You saw the first few rounds against Murata. Um, that's that's where probably the Canelo uh, stoppage people are looking at. They're thinking if Canelo opens up like Murata did against him, uh, he might be able to get him out of there. But I just don't think Canelo's going to do that. Um, that, that's a little bit on Canelo, but I don't think Canelo is going to do that. I think Canelo is too cautious for that. So I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I thought that is intriguing. If, if he, I mean, look, the guy's made enough money after this fight. He could just retire. Um, I wouldn't blame the guy. I never blame a boxer for retiring. It's you know, too dangerous of the sport. So um, that's, I wouldn't blame him one bit, but if he decides he wants to go on and if he's saying this is his last fight with the zone, it implies He's going to go on somewhere else. I mean, that, that's a lot of that's a lot of big money fights that are pay per view worthy. I mean, if he fights Charlo, 
that's a pay-per-view. That's a legit pay-per-view fight. Um, you know, they 168. You've got Benavides is still fighting at 168. And, you know, uh, Golovkin might feel like Plant's a fight he could win if uh, Plant beats Darrell. Plant will be coming off a pay-per-view appearance on the Wild Undercard, Wilder Undercard. Uh, Golovkin might think, hey, I, I think I can still stop Plant or something like that, depending on how he looks Saturday night. You know, against Canelo, we don't know how it's going to play out yet. But, um, but and like we said, Plant's gotten a lot of exposure. So that's probably a decent pay-per-view seller. Um, it just depends. You know, I don't, I don't know which way Golovkin wants to go uh, or, you know, if he continues what he's got in mind. Um, we'll see, you know. Yeah, and, it sounds like he wants to continue, but you just never know, you know. Right. You don't know. I mean, you don't know the guy's made a lot of money in recent years, and uh, he is taking shots now uh, from better competition. So, you know, it's uh, we'll see. We'll see. But it, I thought, you know, it's timely and it's very interesting. So, uh, I mean, imagine if he wins and then that's the case. I mean, he he's going to – then he'd be in big demand. So, you know, lots of, lots yeah, of things sure. can happen. We don't know what's happened yet. So, um and if, if he loses competitively, he would still be in the band. Now, if he gets blown out or something like that, I mean, that that's going to be different. So uh, that'll that'll be interesting to see. Fury Joshua, I mean, I'm not that down on the fight. Uh, I think Fury stops him from what I've seen. But uh, can they put that together before the end of the year? I don't know. But it also ties in for people that care about such things. I mean, you know, even though Transnational is recognizing Usyk, I'm personally against it. I've advocated against it. I mean, I think Fury's the champ. He's the lineal champ. He wasn't really retired. I mean, we've got to use common sense. I mean, if the guy does fight before the end of the year, that'll be three top fights he's got in one year. I mean, Usyk's already said he's not going to fight the rest of the year. So, I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't have reasons for that, but, you know, Fury's the, Fury's the champ. I mean, Usyk's the legit number one contender at this point, but Fury's the champ. Um, so I, I'm, I'm leaning towards, I don't think it's going to happen before the end of the year, but even though I definitely picked Fury in that fight, it's interesting enough. I mean, especially if they did have it before the end of the year, I mean, I'm, I'm not really down on the fight. Um, I, I confidently would pick Fury, but I'm not really down on it. It's, it's still interesting enough. Um, and you know, big UK showdown. So, uh, I don't it's think it's a monster it, fight but, in the UK. And it'll actually yeah. sounds like it be in the UK too, you know, and not Saudi yeah. Arabia or something else, which I think is pretty dope too. I mean, the pay-per-view numbers in the gate are monstrous, uh, you know, in the UK still. There's just no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, with the Saudi thing, it, it would be nice to have a fight like that in the UK. And as long as we get these things in the US, um, I mean, that's not bad in the US to catch that in the late afternoon as long as we get a decent broadcast, whether it be, uh, you know, ESPN plus, hopefully not pay-per-view. Uh, you know, that, that's the thing. But then if Fury, if Fury White was pay-per-view, uh, then I guess we got a good chance that Fury Joshua might be pay-per-view. So that, that we're getting too many. You and I have talked about it. And as we talked in the show. Well, if the Saudis ago, look, don't put up happened, the money, if the Saudis don't put up the money, it'll probably be on pay-per-view here. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And like we talked, look, this, this too many pay-per-views, I agree. I mean, this problem started creeping in 30 years ago. It's not a new problem. It's just going back to what we talked on the show a few weeks ago. It was nice 
the PBC to me started that. And then we had like from 2015 to 2020 where there was conscious efforts and the zone was doing the no pay-per-view thing. You know, there was conscious efforts to try to get away from it. And now top ranks kind of staying away from it. Still, we had the fury episode with white, but you know, they've got some, some guys that they're building up pretty well, like Shakur Stevenson, David Haney. I mean, these guys are appearing on ESPN platforms. I mean, that's good for the sport. So that, that if they are able to keep doing that, I mean, that will pay off for them in one way at some time. But, you know, now the zone's going to the pay-per-view. PBC's running a lot of them. Uh, only thing, other item I throw in with that is, you know, even though it's not the type of fight we would want to be a pay-per-view fight, I'd be the first to say it, Wilder, I'm not justifying the pay-per-view. You know, from again, like like you said, and I always like to say it too, make it clear, from the United States perspective, well, we've had the dearth of heavyweights, and heavyweight was the glamour division. Heavyweight drove the sport. Even though it's late in his career and at a later boxing age now, I mean, Wilder is kind of, as far as, as much as we have nowadays, I mean, becoming a, a star, and he's a heavyweight star, so... I mean, that part of it, I don't like having to pay for it, but I'm kind of, it's kind of like the, U, the U.S. needs it. I mean, we've got Anderson coming up, but he's not quite there yet. I mean, if, if Wilder, like, like let's say there's just nothing left, hey, it's boxing, it can happen, and, you know, he gets upset by Hellenius or something like that. I mean, it's just tumbleweed, tumbleweed for the U.S. at that moment in the heavyweight division, and that's just not really good for boxing in the U.S., um, one final note, because it ties in with it, and we were talking about Fury and Joshua also. I mean, I'm old enough to remember this stuff, but this is not an exaggeration. I was thinking back, if you go back to, like, you know, the early 80s, you go back to, like, the 70s, though, especially. Like, now it would be kind of, you would laugh at it like an ultimate casual thing or something, but it wasn't. Like, you had people back then in the U.S. that, like, they they followed only heavyweight boxing, but they like knew all the heavyweights. You know what I mean? Like, but they didn't they didn't watch it. You know, you could knock this and say this is bad for boxing, but it's kind of funny because there was a lot of people like this. Like, they knew all the heavyweights and who all the heavyweights fought and watched them all, and and knew all the fights who fought who. But they didn't watch any other division. So I'm saying that at the least from like from a U.S. perspective. I mean, you know. In the country, you could go to the history of boxing, and, and there were times like that. And to now be in 2022, when, you know, Wilder's like, it'd be, until Anderson, you know, fully surfaces, is the only U.S. heavyweight, like, hold, holding it all together in the heavyweight division. And, and we know it was even worse before Wilder for a while, for quite a while. Um, it's, it's really kind of sad and, and shows you why you need it and why even PBC would, would run that pay-per-view and probably even explains a little bit of a Ruiz Ortiz, you know, is that um, right. U.S. Has, has that heavyweight history and, and there's been times you got to go back decades, but like you, you had people who just like only, only watched the heavyweights and, and, you know, as that evaporated, let's face it, the sport in the U.S. declined significantly. So, um, I think the Wilder fight, not because it's hilarious, but just because of that type of a thing, is is pretty important. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I appreciate you stopping in um, for tonight. 
enjoy the fights. You got any plans? You just gonna watch it at home, or you? I'm going to the theater with some people, and I just realized yeah, it's I'm, gonna I'm, be all three fights that I've seen in the theater for this trilogy. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the home right now, but uh, I might I might take a little bit a little bit of a look at the at the theater option uh, depending uh, what what's going on if if one's available. Yeah. There you have it. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot, John. All right, Chris. Enjoy the fights. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yep. Take it easy. All righty. So my thoughts on this, you know, with Golovkin, obviously, the jab will be active. I mean, whether you call it a power jab or not, um, it's one of the best jabs, you know, in the sport of boxing. It just is. Um, so he can win rounds in, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily tentative Canelo, but he can win rounds just off that. He literally can. Um, or at least be in the fight competitively, um, you know, just with the jab alone. I mean, it's it's just a fact, you know. Um, and he, he has to do more of what he did in the first fight, and that's push Canelo back. Trap him on the ropes. Make him move, you know. He moved a lot more in that first fight than he did in the second fight. I'm talking about Canelo. And a lot of that had to do with Golovkin. You know, trap him on the ropes, put him in the corner as much as possible. Like I said, keep jabbing, push him back, and um, try to make it a firefight. You know, he's not necessarily a roughhouse guy, but try to make it a firefight with him. You're going to land better punches in there. Um, and that punch rate, you know, keep it up. you got to keep that punch rate fairly high. Um, and then the obvious one which we haven't seen, John mentioned it too, in the first two fights, whereas we see Golovkin against other guys going to the body all night long, you know? Go to the body. Not shoe-shining, punch combo, Sugar Ray Leonard style, not even four punches in a row combo style because your hands are going to be low, so, so low that you are going to get countered. But you got to go to the body, dude. I mean, we've seen Canelo you know, hurt a little bit to the body, but you just have to. If you want them to wear them down, and it doesn't have to be to the body per se, hit them on the hip. If you want to slow them down, hit them on the hip. Now, will we see that much aggression like we saw in the first fight? And it spots in the second fight, but especially the first fight. Because if you're not, you know, if you're going to be on the move, I, I don't think you're going to win the fight, you know. I just don't. And if you had Golovkin win in the second fight when he was on the move more, or on the outside, I should say more, with that jab, and you, you had him, that's cool, but he didn't win the fight. So, you know what I mean? It just it, He's not going to do it that way. Um, for Canelo, you know, hold your ground. Similar to that second fight, hold your ground, and at times, if you can, push Golovkin back. That was really key. And I think he probably has to use his jab more. Canelo's kind of funny. He's got a great jab, but he, he doesn't use it a whole lot. And like, you know, John was saying, the combo punching and everything like that, he does, Canelo pace himself more. He does look for bigger shots um, more than just, I'm going to throw as many punches as I can. Um, and part of that is conditioning. 
there was a uh, a video um, that he put out, or at least was okay with putting out, of him in like a a sweatsuit, not a sweat like a you know like a, I'm trying to lose weight suit, and he opened up his leg like he didn't open up his leg, but I said that kind of wrong. But he you know the bottom the bottom of the legging he 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 like stretched it out a little bit to let some sweat out and it, I mean a ton of sweat came out. It was like I wrestled, you know, I definitely had one of those suits on before, but it was kind of like, damn, that's a lot of sweat. Um, I mean, I'm sure his suit's way better than the one I had, you know, and other people I knew had, so it keeps the sweat in more. But, you know, the conditioning thing has always been a question with him on and off throughout his career, especially early in his career. He paces himself, like I said, he'll take rounds off, which a lot of Elite-level boxers do, by the way. Um, you know, could he be having a little issue that he just fought at 175 in May and now going back to 168? I mean, it's possible. It is possible. I, I think he'll be okay. But then also, stay off the ropes. You know, punch. if you're on the ropes, punch your way off of it. You know what I mean? Counter off of it. He did a lot of, like, counter and then move. And he moved in that first round. He moved a lot in that first round. In the first fight, Canelo moved a lot more, and that'll slow you down too. That'll wear you out. But what I was saying, I did get a little pushback on the second fight. And Golovkin, I mean, here's the thing: total punches landed. Okay, eight well, two thirty-four to two hundred two. Okay, that's Golovkin, and these aren't exact stats, but this is. This is like an overview of it, of my whole point, though. you got to keep that work rate up. He did 879 punches compared to 622. Now, 622 is still a fair amount of punches for Canelo. Um, and, you know, Canelo landed at a higher rate, 32.5 compared to 26.6. Um, the total jabs, you know, 118 to 59, That that's, that's a lot. I mean... It, if you look at 879, 547 compared to 256, 547 out of the 879 punches thrown from Golovkin were jabs, you know? I mean, he landed more jabs, 118, than he did power shot. But here's my point. 46 body punches compared to six. I mean, that's just way too much. Way too much, you know, discrepancy there. That's way too far. You know, 46 to 6? I mean, that's ridiculous. And that's something, like I said, we, we've seen him hurt to, to the body plenty of times. So it clearly was that, you know. It clearly was some of that. So I don't know. I, I, I just think Canelo's going to win this thing by decision. I think it's 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 not as easy as that. I think ultimately he will win cleanly, and maybe that's a 7-5 to five cleanly. You can win. I know people don't want to hear about it, but you can win clean fights 7-5. to five. I mean, I think uh, Spence did over Porter. It was a great fight, one of the best fights of that year. I thought he won it cleanly, though. I thought he won the fight. Um, and obviously that knockdown in the 11th round helped it. But, um, yeah, man, I have Canelo winning by decision. Um, 
And that Golovkin thing, you know, it's it's weird because he said it's his last fight. Well, shit, if he wins, talk about a commodity. Now he may be, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna dip off in the sunset. And if he did that, I definitely wouldn't sit there and uh, criticize him because anytime a guy can win or look good in a fight and leave the sport, that's cool. But obviously, if you have more left to give, it's kind of like it, it's tough to to stop. You know what I mean? It is tough to stop when you, you know, if he wins this fight, first of all, there's probably another fight. Um, I know it's not contractually there, but he said he's, he, it's his last fight with the zone. Does that mean straight up it's my last fight with the zone? And, and maybe the fact that he feels like, hey, I signed with the zone to try to get this Canelo fight. That was a long time ago that I signed. I had to redo my contract, you know. I mean, he hasn't had six fights with him. He's only this is only his fifth, so obviously they redid the the deal and all that. So maybe he's a little bitter at that. Um, so you know, I'm gonna actually watch the interview and see if there's more to it of, of him saying I'm done with the zone. Period. Like he's leaving kind of hastily. Like I I won't fight on the zone again. I don't know if it's that extreme. Some people are kind of taking it there. I don't know about that. He did say that the deal is done though. So you know, if he has a like a really good performance, even in a loss. Yeah. I mean, maybe he felt, maybe he feels more comfortable at 160 because we know he's only going to get like, what is it? 10 days or two weeks to decide if he wants to fight Arislandi Lara for that WBA. Because remember the WBA, you know, ever since the WBA has tried to put titles together, we say try because some fights, they care about it. Some, you know, some, some divisions, they don't. And the Murata fight, you know, they let that go. But then Arislandi Lara is sitting there with a the title, too. Like, hey, well, what about me? When do I get my shot if you're putting titles together? So he is going to have to decide about that. But Arislandi Lara and Jamaro Charlo are really good fights uh, at 160. Especially, well, first of all, style-wise, Jamal Charlo and Golovkin is a banger. Uh, but Lara has slowed down, too. So maybe Golovkin and Lara is actually a much better fight than on the surface we thought it would be years ago. Um, and then, obviously, David Benavides in him is crazy at 168 plant. Maybe Char- you know maybe he wants to stay at 168, and he doesn't want to be at 160, and Charlo will have to come up. I don't know, but he could definitely sign a multi-fight you know fight deal with PBC. I think that would be the place to go, unless he's got – another Canelo fight there. I don't think he wants to go to 175. So, you know, based off Charlo, Lara, um, Benavides, and Plant, I mean, those seem to be his best options. But like I said, he may win. And the biggest money comes from the zone again, you know, or at this time. Who knows? It's tough to say. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see when it comes to that. But, yeah, I am definitely looking forward to this uh, fight coming up. Like I said, I know it doesn't have the same feel to it, but how could it, dude? It's four years later. You know what I mean? Like, once that bell rings, dude, I mean, like I said, I don't – I like the fact they're fighting again. Uh, It took too long, sure, but anytime you give us that good a fight, that great a fight, I should say, the first two – we talk about it all the time. I can look back 20, 30 years of buying pay-per-views and actually more close, you know, 30 or closer to that. 
Um, and, and, and there's so many main events that just, eh, it was one-sided. Good matchup. Sometimes it's really good matchups on paper. Sometimes it's Pacquiao, Brandon Rios, or uh, Mayweather Guerrero, or something like that, where you're like, mm, it was pretty one-sided. You know what I mean? I mean, when you're in that, when you're even the elite level uh, against Pacquiao or Mayweather, you really got to get a pretty damn good fighter to make it competitive, as we know. So, it's just two great fights. I can't sit there and get mad at not any of that, but this is boxing. So you don't think they're going to try to, I mean, the zone, their whole shit was based off this. I mean, also, they wanted Wilder and, and Joshua, I guess you could say, too. But um, they had them both on their contract. And then beyond, at that time, Jacobs and uh, Canelo, you know, Andre was over there, too. Couldn't get a, a mixture of all those fights. We didn't get a a Jacobs, uh, Jacobs Golovkin rematch, or like I said, Golovkin and Andre, or whatever. You know, we, we couldn't get that. Now, they did make that Derevchenko fight because of the IBF. The IBF, uh, you know, called Derevchenko, first of all, as Canelo's uh, manager. He dropped that belt, or Golden Boy kind of did too, because Canelo says anyway he didn't quite know that was going to happen, whatever. Um, but a lot of that had to do with the money. You know, they were like, oh, Derevchenko's asking for too much money. And I understand it a little bit, but we also know if that thing goes to a purse bid, what Canelo's making was published. We knew what he was making, uh, for the most part anyway, or close to. So they also go, well, if he goes to a purse bid, you're going to have to pay me a fair amount of money, you know? And they turned around and disowned up, ended up paying Derevchenko. So. That was a fight that happened on Der, you know, Golovkin Derevchenko at middleweight, but it was forced, you know. But after that, there wasn't, you know, the whole Andre Jacobs that that stuff just didn't happen. So that was kind of dis- well, that was very disappointing. So I don't know. I mean, I just think it's a mixture of all this stuff. Time has gone by. Golovkin hasn't looked as good. He hasn't been active either. I mean, it was nice he got a fight off in April, but he had been out of the ring for a long time. So I get it on the surface why people aren't, you know, as pumped about it. But come Saturday night, dude, you're going to be excited about this fight. Even the people that steal the pay-per-view. So let me, let me get a stream. You're still going to stream it, dude. There is about... 90 seconds left of the live stream. If you want to continue and you're listening to the browser, not a lot of people listen to the browser anymore for obvious reasons, but 646-381-4990 is the number to dial. That's 646-381-4990. You can listen to the last part of the show live. If the people that are on there right now on online, if, if you want to press one and join in, that's cool. If you're just listening, which most people do, that's cool, too. I appreciate it in general. Uh, the message the message board, I'll call it, <laughs> whether that's uh, you know direct messages uh, through Facebook or Twitter or just people texting me, has been on some crazy fanboy shit for, for both sides. It really has. It, it's kind of funny. Um, so, yeah, let's bring in Portland. 503, all the way from Portland to talk about what we got coming up. I'm going to go ahead and bring in Portland here. What's going on, man? How you doing? 
men- mentally wise, uh, Canelo uh, could be like uh, like in the Bibble fight after he showed frustration, which I I don't like. And I thought for his level, him him being at that level already, that high level, I I don't think he should have shown frustration. And so, um, and 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 then him coming into this fight makes it uh, kind of seems like, oh, is he gonna try to get his machismo back? Is he gonna try to um, do something wild? And, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, you know, where is he mentally? That's what I'm thinking of. And um, uh, but uh, yeah, man. And uh, so, but I'm I'm hoping. I know he's mentally strong. That's a, a, you know what I mean. Going into this fight, I know that. And but. I know, and I know Triple G's mentally tough. So that, but this is, I mean, either way, this is still a tough fight for either either guy. But, um, but uh, I, yeah, like I said, like I, I think uh, Canelo takes this one. Um, uh, this this one doesn't go to the scorecards, I think, in my, in my opinion. Um, uh, and, and man, it's, it's annoying too, bro. If I could say something, I was watching a little bit of the, um, kind of a, like in a Triple G interviews. He's talking about, oh, um, I get to eat more tacos, and you know, he's full in. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, he's, he's trying to get the fake Mexicans, you know, fake, fake Mexican loves, you know, uh, that's my opinion. I hate, you know, I hate this time when he fights Triple G because he brings out all those apochos that hate, you know, uh, Canelo and what Canelo has done and shit. So right. I don't know. That's just my, my little opinion. I know it's kind of weird to say, but it's just, uh, I don't know. In boxing, this is I hear you, dude. I hear you. In the, in the, Mexican, in the, the Mexican uh, Chicano culture. So, uh. Um, but you know, they get exposed, but anyways, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, man. And, um, as far as that, yeah, man, um, uh, I don't really have, uh, too much to say. I just wanted to call in real quick. I, I know, um, I'm glad to you know, I'm at work. So, um, I kind of want to make this short too, but man, but yeah, man, Chris, uh, I'll start calling in, uh, like talking to, you know what I mean? Talking week by week, you know what I mean? Like, but, uh, but yeah, man, I'm, you know, you know, I'm always there listening. Uh, always there. Yes, uh, sir. In the background, bro. You know what I mean. I'm always I'm a rope a dope soldier. So you know. But yeah, man. Thanks. Th- thank you, Chris, for having me on. And uh, uh, shout out to the rope a dope radio and Viva Mexico, cabrones. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely loyal. Always appreciate it. Um. Yeah, man. I I do have Canelo winning too. I mean, I just if it is a knockout, I'm gonna hold to that. TK. It'll be a TKO. Either way, if either guy gets knocked out, I'd say it's a TKO because both these dudes have just, you know, they they have they got they got chins, dude. They they really really have chins. Um, just kind of cleaning up some of that. Someone sent me a message, you know, that what what Bob Arum says about the chances, um, you know, for basically what Eddie Hearn Eddie Hearn. The quote is, Eddie Hearn's not serious about making Fury Joshua. Now, someone just sent me this. It's Boxing News 24-7, okay? Now, it's quotes uh, in there, though. I mean, I'm not just saying they quoted them, but this is also a little – this from seconds out are the quotes. Um, He says, I don't believe it's going to happen because I don't believe Hearn is serious about it. If I was promoting after two uh, two fights in a row losing to Usyk, I would look, you know, to take two lesser fights for Joshua to regain, you know, regain his confidence before he fights at the top level. Because if uh, Joshua goes into Fury, it's going to be real brutal for Joshua. He'll get beat up even more uh, than Usyk was able to do. Don't give me that crap with the big fights not happening. He, he said he suddenly lost his temper. 
we've had only big fights happening in the heavyweight division, and you have to understand that you can't always have a particular fight you want. Fury Joshua is not the big fight that would it would have been uh, had Joshua, you know, beat Usyk. Uh, don't give me the don't give me the idea that promoters are keeping stuff back. Promoters are trying to make fights as best they can. We try to present the best fights possible. Promoters here in the UK do the same. Uh, you can't have instant gratification on every level. It's impossible, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, on face value, definitely say that they look like they're willing to take the fight, Eddie Hearn and, and Anthony Joshua. That's what it looks like to me. On face value, we don't know. We don't know if it's just talk. We don't know if it's a smoke screen. We don't know if there's so much. We don't know if the networks would work together for a fact, you know. Like I said earlier in the show, though, if if Joshua's side is willing to give them the 60 and willing to say, okay, you, you said these two dates, we'll take the dates. If they're so willing to meet their demands, then maybe there's, you know, the Fury side will be like, shit, I mean, it's somewhat short notice. I mean, it's September. The fight's in December. That's not short notice. They both will get full camps. But I'm saying as far as negotiating this stuff. So maybe they will be willing, you know, the combination of, hey, we're willing to meet you halfway, meet us halfway, one. And two, like I said, it's a it's a huge pay-per-view there. Some people say... 1.5, some people say over 2 million. I don't know what it would be. It's for sure to a million, that's for sure. But it's a big, big pay-per-view over there. So, and yeah, I do agree. If he beat Usyk, and this is undisputed, yeah, it would be bigger. Yeah, but it's still a monster. It's still going to do, I mean, I'd be shocked if it didn't do what Dillian White and Fury did. Fury and, and White at that gate. I Well, hold on, hold on. That was, that was at Wembley, so you have more seats. But you can charge more. I think you can definitely charge more for Joshua and Fury. So the gate's going to be monster. The pay-per-view's going to be monster. Both sides. And, you know, to put up the money, that's the one thing about this fight. To put up the, the size of contract and, and guarantee that we've been told about. We don't know the exact thing about Fury. But the guarantee, you know, I think that's partially – one of the reasons why Wilder and Fury was for the second and third was a split because their guarantees were so heavy, you know, and they didn't have, in this case, they don't have Saudi Arabia per se, putting up the money. They, they, the way they make it sound is that the Saudis won't be involved. So yeah, maybe they're saying, Hey, we'll put up our side. You put up your side and we'll make some money together. And it's a little bit easier to do that less risk rather than, both sides get $30 million plus because, you know, Saudi Arabia bought the fight. And so that gets taken. There's no risk over there. You know, it's all the risk is on the Saudis. And, it, you know, apparently they're, you know, risk at first. They don't really care about if it wins, you know, makes money or not. I mean, they do to an extent, but of course. But maybe it's just, you know, I don't know. But, you know, I can't sit there and say Eddie Hearn, they're not saying all this stuff, then they couldn't. Well, we couldn't come to terms with the DAZN BT Sport thing or the DAZN USA ESPN thing, which I think is lesser because the fight does lesser pay-per-views here, obviously. So, 
maybe it's just her knows it's not going to happen, but he's going to be like, well, we agreed to their terms, and it just to make Anthony Joshua look great. He was willing to come off a two back-to-back losses. He was willing to go in there with another style matchup that's tough, and it just shows you that. He was ready for it, and maybe that's what deep down inside Eddie's actually doing. You know, he knows, uh, you know, by the time we get these negotiations figured out, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, Bob Arum's right on this one for sure. I have no clue. Um, it's further along than I thought it'd be when we mentioned it a little while ago. That's for sure. It, it's agreed to terms always is a pretty damn good <laughs> barometer of a fight getting done. But we'll see, you know. We'll see. Like I said, I'm really happy that the UK fight fans would get it there. I think that's huge. Um, but I think the fact that it's so big on paper, the gate's so big, I think it's just easier to come together. Like we said, HBO Showtime, the only two times they came together were for Mayweather Pacquiao, and I know it's not that fight, but it's huge, you know, relatively speaking. And then Holyfield and Tyson. Those are the only two times Showtime and HBO came together to make a, a joint pay-per-view. Um, so it would be great. You know, it would be a great precedent to set again. Because, you know, we, we talk about how, you know, certain uh, outlets don't work together that much, especially on the top levels, which is true. Um, I mean, Eddie Hearn and, and you know, in, in what's his does I mean, they, they really do, they, they don't at all. You know, Frank Warren. I mean, they, they hate each other. I mean, they really don't work together. Um, but it is funny how a lot of times the media here and the U.K., a good chunk of it will just kind of, oh, they don't want to work together. It is what it is. And Eddie will say why I don't want to work together. We're in competition, you know. But it's okay. But then the media is heavy on, you know, the promoters over here, which I'm not saying they shouldn't be. But it is kind of funny how they get a pass over there for not working together, even though they are by far the two biggest names over there. Now, Sky Sports is a big name all by itself, and, and now this boxer, they're making some noise, so I can't discount them. But they're, it seems like they're more willing to work with people. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I'm not 100% sold, 100% sold on that. We'll see. This is from Jake Donovan yesterday. Jamal Charlo no longer facing assault charges after state of Texas files motion to dismiss. Did hear people kind of dig in the grave of Jermall Charlo um, when it came to this charge or, you know, not charge, but the potential of this stuff. Um, I also hear, Oh, he, he, it was a settlement. It must've been a settlement. Well, when the state of Texas files a motion to dismiss it, that's a little bit different. <laughs> Uh, boxing scene, this is Jake Donovan, does a great job here. We're going to have him on the show here soon, hopefully. Boxing scene has confirmed that the WBC middleweight titleist will no longer face felony assault, uh, assault charges stemming from the family incident last summer. Um, the state of Texas filed a motion to dismiss it during the hearing of Monday afternoon. Yada, yada, yada. The motion comes one day after scheduled discovery hearing uh, had been canceled. According to the records, the court records obtained by Boxing Scene, the state no longer wishes to proceed based off, uh, based on the reasons of no longer prove to prove the case 
beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, they talk about, I think it was his nephew that there was alleged last uh, September that he alleged hit his nephew, his 21-year-old nephew. Um, Charlo, his side has said, you know, there's, there, that's not true. Um, Charlo has long contended his innocence in the case, which was supported uh, by, you know, a, a bunch of people that came forward. I think there was up to like eight people that came forward that saw it and said that he didn't hit him. So a lot of people came forward, um, you know, so it, it is what it is. But, yeah, like I said, a lot of people just assumed that he did it. Um, and also there, that there was a payoff, you know. And so he, I guess he, they're saying he paid off all nine of these people to come forward and say no. So um, that is something that I, I wanted to uh, talk about a little bit news-wise. There is a variety of other news out there, um, you know, that we'll, we'll discuss, but I, I think that was uh, important. What, and just off of what John was saying, that uh, Eidick tweet, Canelo also acknowledged that his first, wait a second, that's wrong, K- Gennady Golovkin, who signed uh, what was announced back then as a six-fight contract, just told uh, a group of us at the MGM Gram that his uh, third Canelo fight will be his last with the zone. Like I said, so he kind of left it there. Um, but it is what it is uh, when it comes to that. Um, news-wise, on November 1st, on ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus, dude, you know, ESPN Plus picked up that double header from last week. Now, it didn't go through, but, hey, they picked it up, so it was a good-ass card. Unfortunately, you know, it didn't go through. Hopefully – Everything goes smooth, and it's October 15th. But there is a um, – they just announced it top rank. Two championship fights with three world titles at stake to headline a loaded November 1st card on ESPN. Uh, this is Jake t- tweeting about it. Grateful for the boxing on apps era uh, we are in when shows like this are made available to us, and it's on at a decent hour. Great job picking it up, truly can't wait for this card, intrigued by all four fights. And it is in Japan, I believe, on Prime Video. I believe it's Prime. I'm almost positive of that. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, there's four fights. Um, uh, Kenshiro Tara, I think it is, Tara, against uh, Hiroto uh, Kayaguchi. Who, and Kayaguchi is just a fun-ass fighter to watch. Um, Gonzalez Awada, um, Yoshino Nakatani, and then Rodriguez Nakatani as well. So four fights on there. That should be a good card. That's November 1st, by the way. I think that is. Like I talked about earlier, Dan Raphael reported Triller uh, is no longer staging boxing events. No future plans on that. Um, there were a lot of people paid by them <laughs> um, that had a lot of great stuff to say. And I remember, you know, they, they, they announced fake pay-per-view numbers. That's what they did. That's just, that's just, it, I can't say it's factual, but come on, dude. And, and the reason why I think it's funny is because I remember Woodsy and other people saying, oh, they got rid of, they, they didn't do Jake Paul's fight anymore because some sort of, 
assault charge or something like that. And they're smart to dodge that, you know. They could do better fights and bigger fights and all that. We know that they dropped the ball on a variety of events, but obviously the the Tiafima Lopez, George Cambosis, you know, that was they dropped the shit out of the ball on that one. They owed a bunch of people money. I know Kovalev and some other people have finally been paid, but some haven't. Uh, also on that versus with the hip-hop battles, they didn't get paid either. <laughs> so there's a lot of threats for lawsuits in lawsuits coming their way. Um, but, yeah, a lot of media members that were paid uh, by Triller were really pro-Triller no matter what. And, and there's no way Triller would have dumped Jake Paul if those pay-per-views were the number that they said they were, which they weren't. They weren't, but they definitely were not. I mean, clearly, because there's no way if you're pushing 700,000 to a million buys, there's no fucking way in hell you're going to get rid of them. There's just no way. They knew it then, you know, um, they just were sick of, I don't, I don't know what it was, but a lot of media members, man, Whew. this is Lance Pugmire. Don't, uh Pay attention, basically. Don't buy the mention. I don't, that's kind of how we put it, actually. But um, so basically, don't listen to the rumors about Errol Spence being in talks with Keith Thurman. I'm told him and Terrence Crawford are still engaged. The interesting thing beyond that is the bidding is competitive between PBC networks. So obviously Fox and Showtime are trying to get that. And, I, you know, I said it earlier, maybe, you know, that just helps out overall for the money on both sides, right? But also maybe, you know, allowing competitiveness, which through this whole deal they have, because um, remember, uh, Spence Ugas was Showtime last time. But last summer, Pacquiao and Spence, which ultimately turned out to be Pacquiao Ugas, you know, they, they Fox put up the money for Pacquiao and Spence, and that couldn't have been cheap, right? So maybe, you know, Fox is saying, hey, maybe that's part of the renegotiation on a deal. I know pretty much everybody says there's no chance for a Fox deal, but four years ago they were digging the PBC graves on, on this exact thing, and they got a deal. So I don't know, but think about it. Just think about it logically, okay? If they could get in on, if Fox could get on on a Spence Crawford fight, it may not be November. You never know. Um, maybe they'll use the the, the, the playoffs, the, the you know the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl to promote it. I don't know. Um, I've heard reports um, and seen reports online that no matter what, November nineteenth is uh, Spence's date, whether it's Crawford or not. Um, so I don't know. I don't, it's tough to say, but think about it. If Wilder wins, Fox could have, because, you know, Wilder and Hellenius is on Fox. We saw Ruiz and Ortiz were on Fox. They could have Wilder and, or, and Ruiz, which could be, be more than just one. Could make some money off that one. Um, we know the gate would do really well. Pay-per-view would do, you know, a fair amount of, you know, buys, in my opinion. Um, and then Spence Crawford. And both these fights could be rematches one of them could be trilogy you know you never know uh but um it just seems weird to be 
to put up Pacquiao with and, and Spence type of money for that fight that Fox did, and then also to be reportedly anyway in on battling for this fight if they're not going to do business with PBC anymore. I'll say that. That's all. I don't know what that exactly means, obviously, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, oh, here's a <laughs> here's a report. I'm just going to read the quote. AJ Trainer Fernandez says Joshua will definitely beat Usyk in the third fight. <laughs> like, just stop, dude. Just stop it. Please stop it. Um, Rosario and Gomez, Yoelvis uh, Gomez, and Jason. Rosario is going to be part of what we believe to be here in the armory. He talked about it a while ago. November 5th, more than likely, is going to be a triple header on Showtime from the Minneapolis Armory. It hasn't been announced. It's not scheduled just yet, but you can put two to two together. We've heard the November date for a while now for the armory, um, but also, and actually, uh, Book Williams, on Twitter has Jamal James enters the new W uh, new WBA rankings at 13, just in time for a November 5th date in Minnesota. So Jamal James on the card, David Morrell facing uh, his mandatory, and then Gomez Rosario. I could see that as a triple header, obviously. You know what I mean? And Gomez and Rosario probably lead off. They'd probably have Jamal James against the pretty solid welterweight. We'll see, because they got a bunch of them at BBC. But, yeah, I could – and then David Morrell. You know, I could definitely see that. Here's some bad news. Um, Lee Wood and Mauricio Lara is reportedly off now uh, due to uh, Lee Wood's injury. He had an injury. Uh, it's claimed that the fight will be rescheduled, but September 24th, the Nottingham – this is Daily Sport uh, – Daily Star Sport – the, the, the Nottingham show will go ahead with Cal, Galahad, Kid Galahad and Maxie Hughes, okay? So at least, you know, the people that bought the tickets and everything, if they want to still go out, you know, go out September 24th since it's only like 10 days away. Yeah, they won't get Wood and Lara, which is a great fight, but uh, Galahad and Hughes is kind of interesting in my, in my opinion. Um, so for more – so there is a there is some kind of – you know, and by the way, it has been affirmed nine witnesses came forward uh, to say Charlo never hit his nephew. So just so you know. Um, like we said, you know, Anthony Joshua accepted the terms for December 3rd. Kind of interesting there. So if England finishes runner-up in their 2022 World Cup group, they will play their round of 16 games. December 3rd, or I'm sorry, yeah, December 3rd, 3 o'clock UK time on Saturday, uh, potentially leading into Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua fight that same evening. Evening, If England wins the group, they'll play on Sunday, December 4th. Kind of interesting there. Um, so it's Principality Stadium in Cardiff if it's December 3rd. That's the venue that is... Uh, potentially booked for that fight. Um, and then I haven't seen any pay-per-view numbers exactly beyond Glazier, uh, Ruiz, and Ortiz, but we do know the gate. 1.4 million at the gate 
Um, almost 10,000 tickets sold. Of course, there was, uh, you know, comp passes. But 1.4 million is a damn good gate. And I believe at the same place, don't quote me on this, was it 1.2 or 1.6 for Ryan Garcia the last time? I'll get back to you on that. But 1.4 is a big number. No doubt about that. So it'd be kind of interesting. I mean, that's why I say that's a big time gate. You know, that's a big gate. That is a huge gate. Um, oh, just a little bit of news, or not news, but Showbox was a solid, you know, solid card uh, this last weekend. But 84 Showbox fight, Showbox fighters and counting. This is Espinosa went on to become world champions. Um, and he says the best development series in boxing, and it is. This Steve Har- Farhood put out a list that night of the top Showbox world champs, and this is just alphabetical order. Um, and this is just overall, not current. So Dimitri Bibble, Timothy Bradley, Jermel Charlo, Nonito Donaire, Carl Froch, Tyson Fury, Ricky Hatton, Clarissa Shields, Errol Spence, and Andre Ward. That is a pretty goddamn. Good list there, huh? I'd say so. Oh, by the way, Jake tweeted this too. That valet from Port—I think it was from Puerto Rico. Uh, the official attendance almost—it was a sellout. Almost six or almost fifty-seven hundred, fifty-five thousand six hundred and ninety-four. That's a damn. I mean, that's a damn good. Uh, you know, crowd. Um, Diaz Zapata moves to October 29th. It'll lang at Atlanta at the. Pachanga Arena in San Diego. I've been to that casino. I saw an HBO fight there. Not at the arena, but at the smaller venue in there. It's a fun place to watch, and it'll definitely draw a nice crowd. Golden Boy hits that up. Um, so, yeah, another you know another change of date, but October 29th for Zapata and Diaz. So I'm really looking forward to that fight. It kind of is funky because um, – kind of weird the the new fight date um momentarily conflicts they're conflicts goddamn (laughs) with previous and perhaps premature announcement this is jake donovan by the way on boxing scene made by fernando beltran head of uh sanford boxing he said uh munguia will be headlining that same thing so i don't know if he's on the undercard or if they're you know how sometimes they'll say okay you take this I'll take that, you know, tweaking stuff. I, I really don't know when it comes to that. Um, Andre Parker, interim, interim title fight, WBO schedules September 20th purse bid. This is Jake Donovan again. This is from today. Andre Parker are right back where they were earlier this year. Uh, boxing scene has confirmed that the WBO has called for the purse bid hearing to determine promotional rights. For a previously approved Andre Parker interim super middleweight title fight. Uh, the session will take place September 20th, coming nearly a month after the fight was reordered, only for the two sides not to come to terms. So, um, yeah, that, that fight is definitely being drawn out. <laughs> but it is what it is, right? It's a good fight or whatever. You know, I get, I get that they're trying to kind of line up there. You know, there was a little scare about uh, Eubank Jr. pulling out 
based off Eubank Sr.'s claims because of the catch weight. He basically said, my son's life cannot be in danger. I've already lost one, and it can't happen again. That was male sport. But it, it sounds like that's not true. You know, Chris, this is talk sport. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr. and Connor Ben, the 157 catch weight fight. This is Cal Sutherland. It's absolutely on for October 8th. Um, Sutherland said, we don't have a contract with Chris Eubank Sr. We have one with Chris Bain, Chris Eubank Jr. So, and also Ron Davies. I mean, that's the promoter, but Ron Davies says, you know, Eubank Jr. is 100% fit and his weight is perfect. He, he has always easily made 160, and he does it so while eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It will not be difficult to lose the extra three pounds. Everything is on target for October 8th. I don't know about that other shit, but it sounds like it. Um, this is Matchroom Boxing, Eddie Hearn. Um, the situation as far as the broadcasters, Eddie Hearn has stated, is extremely positive. Converse, positive. Cons- uh, conversations between DAZN and BT in the UK plus ESPN DAZN. Um, it's in everybody's interest uh, for the fight to take place. And, it, and in so many ways, especially financially, that is very true. You know, that is very true. I, I definitely would have to agree with that. Um, what do we got here? Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, this is his own boxing team. Chris Eubank Jr. was, was trying. You know, Eubank Jr. is doing a good job uh, trolling Ben. I mean, the other day, we know he's got to lose weight to, to be in this fight, but the other day during that fight card, he walked up with a bucket of uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, the other uh, last night or two nights ago, I saw that image of him, you know, taking what looks to be like a hush puppy or something and eating that, dipping it in sauce. I don't know, but this is this is him in their little face-off. Uh, he said, Eubank Jr. said to Connor. Usually I go eight weeks without sex. I abstain for uh, for eight weeks. I'm going to for two weeks for Canelo. Or wait, he said uh, for for you it's two weeks. Canelo Alvarez, Gennady Golovkin, they get eight weeks. Billy Joe Saunders gets four weeks. Connor Ben gets two weeks. So you know, is he just you know talking shit? I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> he is kind of doing a funny. He's pretty funny. I got to admit it, this one. Looks like Mayweather has another exhibition. Um, KS, uh, KSI. K, K, yeah, oh, it's KSI's brother in Dubai, November 13th. Mayweather is set to have one in Japan, September 25th. He said there might be another one. So, I mean, you know, okay. (laughs) Anyway, on to something else. What else we got? Uh, oh, Tony Bellew, talk sport. This is just silly. Tony Bellew on Tyson Fury. He says, let's not make any bones about this. He's had two opportunities now to face Alexander Usyk, and he's knocked them both back. For a so-called, uh, oh, for a so-called middleweight, I don't want to see what the I don't see what the problem is. Why not just beat the so-called middleweight? Well, first of all, Anthony Joshua decided not to take step away step aside money. One, right? 
And of course, I'm talking about allowing Usyk and Fury to fight. Remember, there was a they both Eddie Hearn and Joshua said we looked at it, we didn't take it, the step aside money, but it would have been needed. And then this go around. Let's be honest, dude. Usyk said he needs time away. He doesn't want to fight till February or March. Fury said, I want to fight one more time this year. It was November like 20-something, November 28th or 26th, 26th, and December 3rd. So to sit there and be like, oh, he ducked Usyk this time. Usyk said he didn't want to fight uh, in December. He said he needs a little time to rest his body, and he wants to spend some time with his family. So that's just silly. Like, it's just so funny to hear, like, former professional fighters to talk like that. It just, I don't know, man. Um, this is also from Matchroom. This is what Canelo, these are Canelo Alvarez quotes. Uh, Canelo Alvarez dismisses Dimitri Bivol's lucky win against him. It was not in my natural weight class. I can beat him easy in the rematch. I won the first five or six rounds. He's not better than me. That's the headline, right? With Bivol, um, I'm in my prime. Unfortunately, I have a lo- I had a lot of things going on in my camp. I lost, but I'm going to have a chance in the near future, and that's the difference. The difference is I was in my prime when I lost to Bivol. It's kind of a weird quote, though. It doesn't really make sense, but it was not – okay, it was not – I would, so I was in my prime, but I was not in my weight class. But I can beat him easy, which that's silly. Beat him easy? Come on, dude. But things happen. I take that as an experience, which I respect. But he said I won the, the first five or six rounds, but then I got tired. That's what happened. He's not better than me. I really think it's style matchup. Um, but I, also, I do think it does play in. The weight does play in. You know, the weight does play in. I mean, no doubt about it. It does. It, it, it definitely does. Um, so, because I don't think he's as good at 175. We've seen two fights now over, like, one of them was in 2019. The other one just happened. He's not as good at that weight. He just isn't, uh, in my opinion. Now, he's taking on pretty damn good fighters. I mean, Bibble could be the number one guy there. Who knows? It's either Beaker B.F. or him, but I don't know. All right, so... We'll go on to, uh, I think it's mostly boxing Twitter, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Um, This is Adrian Delgado. Great follow, by the way. Canelo, Golovkin 3. I can see this being another close fight where uh, Triple G survives an early onslaught, and then Canelo fades, allowing Triple G to get back in the fight in the second half. Can Golovkin muster up one last good performance, or is Canelo simply too good at this point? That's a great breakdown. Canelo Triple G3 is in six days. Eddie Hearn said it's the biggest fight in boxing and bigger than EJ and Bud. The way things are uh, feeling, because there's no buzz, I'm not sure it'll be bigger than Andy Ruiz or T-State. Come on, dude. Lex, seriously, dude? I mean, the gate number came out. (laughs) It's going to do better than that. That's That's silly. That's the whole thing, and I heard him on Shots Out of the Sunday Puncher. Um, I heard him talk about how there's no buzz and all that. We've already kind of discussed this, but the zero promotion is just wrong. 
Because if there's zero promotion, why in the fuck did I see it in the biggest college football, the commercial for it? Now, we could sit there and have an argument. I don't really like to debate how good a commercial is for a pay-per-view. I really don't think a commercial is the thing. I think just being there, saying, hey, we got a fight coming, I think that's the most important thing. Now, having a great commercial does help. I don't think it puts it over the top, though. You know? It's not a great commercial. You can kind of be like, okay, D-A-Z-N. Okay, do we got to go there or the pay-per-view? Or, you know, it is what it is, but... They ran it, and I saw it during uh, two other college football games. I think that those were on FS1, but still, it's like zero promotion. Uh, this is Lukey Boxing. Shout out to Lukey. He's actually got a new book out. It is crazy to me that Showbox is better than most boxing cards, and about one-eighth of boxing Twitter watches it. It's mind-boggling. Yeah. No, that's true. It's funny. Sometimes, well, they may be watching it, but since has something to do with Showtime, and, and PBC has something to do with Showtime. And, you know, Espinosa's a rat because, you know, McGregor told me, you know. Um, and they're going to go out of business, you know. I think that plays into it. They, they, a good chunk of them are probably watching. They just don't want to tweet about it. Um, this is J-Row. <laughs> this tweet. That woman boxing card could take place. He's talking about, you know, the Shields, uh, Marshall, and Baumgartner and uh, Mayor, uh, he said that could, that that card could take place tomorrow, October fifteenth, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. It doesn't matter what day they put it on it. Uh, I was never going to watch it. Okay, hey, to each his own, you know, to each his own. That's 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 fair. So here, this uh, Heyman's planet, you know. He makes some good points. I'd never say that, but he does come across as a fanboy uh, for PBC. But he do, I'll say this. He does make some really good points, though. But it seems like he just hammers that home the whole time. And that's where it's like, okay, dude, you seem pretty biased. That said, though, he does make good points. This one, eh, this is kind of in between because we don't know. But when a superstar like AJ accepts 40%, and a nobody like Crawford is still claiming to be the A-side. It's like, we don't know what, I mean, don't get me wrong, I've gone, I've played audio of Crawford saying he's the A-side. But we don't know if that's stopping this fight. So let's, let's be honest. Um, this is Ron, uh, Rob Tabut. Is that how you say his name? Tabut? Tabut? He's a good follower, great follower too, by the way. The Queen would have wanted Fury and Joshua to happen this year. <laughs> I agree. I think you're right. She would have. She definitely would have. Uh, I think, the, oh, by the way, oh, undefeated, uh, undefeated uh, sensation Frank Sanchez. This is uh, Premier Boxing. And so, so Frank Sanchez, and they're saying uh, Gary Antonio Russell will be part of the Wilder Hellenius. So the, the undercard. So Sanchez will take on uh, a Puerto Rican Olympian, uh, Carlos Negron, which I think that'll probably be an interesting fight as far as entertainment. And then a rematch, which I'm glad this is happening because it, it was short. It, there was a cut. Uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez and Gary Antonio Russell. So you already have the Caleb Plant Durrell, which is a legit co-feature. And then you have Frank Sanchez, 
the prospect, trying to be a contender, going against Carlos Negron, who, you know, is a solid test for a prospect. I'm not calling this fight just, oh, my God, it's, it's, it's 50-50, but I think it'll be entertaining. And then also I do like that Russell um, Rodriguez. So once again, you could say Wilder Hellenius, no thank you, as a main event pay-per-view. But these are these four fights are, you know, are these three fights are pretty solid. If three out of the four fights turn out on a pay-per-view, it's, it's kind of like, huh, well, you know, I guess I got to admit that, you know what I mean? But but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Canelo, this is Idik on Twitter. Canelo also acknowledged that his first two fights with Triple G were very close and that he needed to win this third one convincingly. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that uh, I think that's that's fair to say. All right, I'm going to get out of here. I think that's about it. I'm not I purposely didn't go over all the fanboy stuff on both sides because it's kind of just, you know, it's, it is what it is, dude. It is what it is. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights. Let's hope this uh, trilogy main event, because, you know, the undercard, it, it is kind of soft. There, there is, you know, I, I love me some Bam Rodriguez. He's taken on two quality opponents. This is an okay fight for him, but I just, I think it's more of they're giving him a good look. If, if you're being honest, this is a good-ass look. I mean, let's just be honest. Being on this undercard, going out there and, and, and putting on a star-worthy uh, performance is what, they're, is what they're trying to get out of this fight. I mean, I think that's, that's fair, right? So I don't, I don't mind this. He's coming off two good, uh, you know, great outings against quality opposition. He's got quality opposition probably coming down here soon. Um, I can't get too mad at him. You know what I mean? I totally understand why Jesse Bam Rodriguez is facing Israel Gonzalez. It's not a bad fight. It's just not a great fight. Um, the other one, uh, Ammo Williams in uh, Conway. Williams and Conway, I think that's an interesting fight personally. I think that's kind of interesting. The uh, Akhmadev and Rosado, hopefully that's a good action fight. We'll see. You know what I mean? We'll see what, you know, what comes of that. Anyway, um, yeah, not much to talk about on paper, but let's see. You know, too many people just go down, you know, fights and cards go down in their memory as, oh, that was shitty. Well, if it turns out to be competitive in the ring, then it's not a shitty fight. And guess what? You're not a professional matchmaker, like so much uh, people on boxing Twitter assume they are. You know what I mean? Um, we all know what would be a fun matchup on paper, but hopefully some of these, you know, overachieve, let's put it that way, so we can get a good, you know, night of fights just in general. Anyway, I'm out of here. Like I said, enjoy the fight. Hopefully we get a banger. I assume we're going to get a banger regardless. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, if you fight, let's say you fight for...